Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Flyperbole with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. Well, there was some huge news in the past few days. Uh, a man at the end of his rope decided to call it quits. And I guess we're not talking about the president. I was trying to allude to, to presidential news here. Craig. It didn't quite work out that way. <laughs> I, I was referring to Matt Niskanen, but there there was some crazy presidential shit with uh, with COVID and everything. But you all know about that. You know about that. You know about the fly. Craig's actually recording with the fly on his head today in honor of mm. the debate. And mm-hmm. it's... But enough about all that. Let's talk about <laughs> Matt Niskanen and the surprise retirement, which is not my favorite children's book. I... I'm still kind of stunned by this one, but also not at the same time. I mean, <laughs> this just came out a few days ago. Matt Niskanen retired. He he retired. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it, I mean, he had a fine regular season. Didn't look great in the bubble. He only had one year left. And, uh, I mean, I guess under normal circumstances, last year probably would have been his, uh, his final season in the NHL. But... Uh, yeah, just decided. Apparently, they him and Fletcher talked about it a couple weeks ago, and like Fletcher told apparently him right after the the Flyers lost in the playoffs. Okay, yeah. So within twenty four hours, I think of it happening, him and Fletcher talked, and he said, "I'm I'm done." Yeah. Which I mean, good on Niski for for knowing when it was time, and yeah, it's a hell of a move because he he actually forgoes the last year of his uh, his current contract by doing this. So it's it's a ballsy move. And I mean, Hey man, if you know, you know, and you know, good on him. Congrats on a great career. And just one year in Philly, it was enough to say I'm done with this league. No way. <laughs> yeah. Well that, you know, and, uh, and I think I, and pull up the quote here too. Uh, it, it, it was mainly due to COVID. Uh, and that it's interesting to like this whole, that we saw the draft was kind of hindered by that one. It was majorly. We're going to see free agency. It's going to look kind of weird because I think there's a lot of uncertainty about just, you know, what's going to happen with the cap and everything after the next couple years and, like, what teams are going to be willing to pay and, like, if guys actually want to play next year, if they're going to be need to pay a little bit more to actually play. I don't know. It's going to be a weird all season, mainly just because of everything with COVID. And um, 
yeah, it just sounds like it played a role in Niskanen's retirement. And uh, I wasn't expecting it. I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't expecting him to retire. I just. I think everybody assumed he was going to be here for one more year. But you know, adding up, you know, doing the math, like the the drop from his postseason play or his regular season play, where again, him and Provorov during the regular season, one of the more reliable pairs in the league. Like they were, they were just good in both ends, and they. There weren't too many nights who were frustrated with that pair as a whole, let alone either of them individually. That all changed in the postseason, and Niskanen looked kind of like the Niskanen we were worried about getting. And then now we learn he probably had his mind elsewhere while in the bubble. And really, honestly, again, I mean, all things considered, the fact that a bunch of athletes got through that 2020 bubble is still pretty remarkable, considering all the outside circumstances and... The emotional toll and all that kind of stuff. So, however, uh, however much some of those athletes might have completely forgotten about those outside circumstances as soon as they left the bubble, we'll <laughs> right. get into that. We'll, later. Get, we'll get into, we'll get into that in a second. Later. Yeah, it's. But, I mean, it's one of those things that I, I think a lot of people didn't really. As soon as sports came back and you saw sports again, it, it kind of left your mind how how hard and difficult the circumstances were for the players. You know, no, yeah. millionaires suck it up. That's kind of the attitude that a lot of people take. And that's sports in general, but these are, these were and are extraordinary circumstances that these athletes are going through a very difficult time, especially for these bubble players. You know, the, the NHL bubble, especially because the NBA bubble, there were some, you know, family allowances in their family and children allowed in. So at least you had some of the home comforts, the, the NHL, it's you, it's you and your teammates and that's it. Yeah, and they and the NHL kind of did what the NHL usually does, which is they kind of publicly pressured the players in the plane, and then they kind of pulled some stuff out from underneath them that they had promised before the players entered the bubble. So, like, you know, the NHL players went through the whole NHL experience involved with the bubble that we usually see around, like, CBA talk time and all that stuff. And, yeah, you're right. The, the, the NBA did end up getting... The family's in there for the last two rounds, which I think was supposed to be the agreement with the NHL players. And then it just kind of, I don't know. I, I mean, like, there is a lot of, the, some of the families ended up getting in there, but there's a lot of other stuff that they promised the players and just never came to fruition. So uh, uh, the, the quote, though, um, from uh, Niskan's agent was, uh, he told me he didn't want to go through it again. Uh, he mentioned COVID to me. I don't think he wanted to get ready for another season by November 15th and then have to go into isolation and be away from his wife and kid. From his two kids and his wife, uh, I think he always finished his contract and then stopped. But I think because of COVID and his experience at the bubble, he decided now is the time. He basically said, "With COVID, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to prepare anymore." And again, that makes total sense. Like from his standpoint, yeah, I think I retired too. You won a cup a couple of years ago. Uh, this it's just a weird set of set of like extreme circumstances for your next season that you really weren't banking on. And uh, we know Niskanen is kind of like a more responsible family oriented type guy. So like he, he was known I as mean, the dad in the flyers. Locker. Yeah. So like he, this, it all makes sense. Um, so uh, like, and, and that quote go, comes, that quote comes from uh, Ken Campbell uh, via the hockey news. Okay. There we go. Yeah. And uh, going over Niskanen's numbers, uh, 33 points in 68 games this year. He had eight goals. Averaging 21.54 time on ice, 356 points uh, over 949 games, spanning 13 seasons between the Stars, Penguins, Caps, and Flyers. Won a cup in 2018 with the Caps. And again, I mean, him and Provorov were really good during the regular season. And uh, it is going to be, I think, 
like I, I do think he actually played a pretty good role in the locker room and actually had a, a pretty good role in terms of like helping Provorov kind of reestablish his dominance. Like Provorov again, like 2018-19, Provorov looked fine for most of the year, but then he would just have plays where like the most inexplicable turnovers, <laughs> like just the biggest pieces right into the defensive slot and they didn't make sense. And this year, I feel like he really tightened up his play. And looking at next year, I mean, um, so with the Niskanen news, one of the things that uh, came out in the presser was uh, Chuck Fletcher said, uh, or no, Charlie tweeted out that Fletcher stated that the plans are to have Gossip Spear with the team for 2020-21, and that he wanted to have uh, Ghost have uh, a larger role on the power play and then he didn't bite on uh when asked directly about trade rumors so it sounds like ghost should be on the team next year again that really doesn't mean much because there's a lot of moving parts with the flyers defense still and mainly uh i don't know who's gonna play top pair on the right side and i don't know if they have a ton of money to go out and get anybody in free agency which we'll talk about here but uh one of the things they did to help that was they re-signed braun almost immediately after the uh, Niskanen news. Uh, so, brought back Braun for two years, cap hit of one point eight million uh, per season. Uh, takes a cut of two million of uh, his cap hit coming in was three point eight when the Flyers traded for him. So that's huge because it gives the Flyers a little bit of cap space. Nineteen points in sixty two games last year, three of which were goals uh, for the points, and he averaged seventeen sixteen time on ice. Uh, and honestly, with that, with a smaller cap hit. And knowing that Niskanen is gone now, the Braun re-signing really doesn't kill me that much. Like, the fact he took a big pay cut to come back. I mean, he took, like, almost nearly half his half his cap hit that he had last year. And knowing that he should still be slotted in as a third-pair guy, I think. I, I, I can live with that. I mean, him and Hag weren't really fun to watch. Him and Ghost were even less fun to watch at times. But it, it seemed like... He's doing something right to get results, which, again, if you're going to pay a guy under two mil to play under defense and he's probably going to play around 80 games, I'll take what I can get. Um, I'm hoping I'm hoping he's going to play third-pairing minutes. I'm, I am i don't know what else. Like, Provorov, a defense of Provorov, Myers, Sanheim, Braun, Hag, Freeman sounds a lot less enticing than what the Flyers had this year. Uh, and, again, I don't know. Do you, do, you re- do, you, do you want to see if Myers on the top pair this year? Like, do you think he's ready to be on the top pair this year in 2020-21? Probably not. But yeah, I, I was going to say not quite. Like, I don't know. I, 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 I feel much more comfortable with him on the second pairing. I mean, I wasn't, yeah. as far as yeah. Braun goes, like, I wasn't particularly looking forward to him coming back. I didn't really nah, see yeah. the Flyers resign him, especially not at the previous cap hit. But when I saw that he was going to come in at 1.8, I felt a lot better. I mean, 1.8 is not bad. Part of the reason that everybody really was so incensed about Andrew McDonald was the fact that Andrew McDonald was making $5 million a year to be a shitty third-pairing defenseman. Oh, there and is... then he got pl- and he got played on the top pair. Yeah, like this is... Yeah, yeah, Braun is just bad. Or like he was bad in the, for a while there. Yeah, like he just... Yeah. But he was okay in the regular season. He wasn't right. great, but he exactly. was okay in the regular season. And I can live with 1.8. It, it's anything higher than that. Like, I think the highest I could go for a Justin Braun is like two and a half, right? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. especially especially considering we're going to talk more about the NHL cap later in the show. But 
you know, it, we're not looking at a cap increase like we had the past few years. So it's really important to get those kind of savings wherever you can right now. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that's why cutting costs and, and keeping Braun and also we'll mention uh, Brian Elliott. Now he comes back for one more year, 1.5 million cuts half a mil from his 2 million cap hit last year. So backup goalie question is solved to the Elliott again. Hard starter, Elliott backup, Alex Lyon, third string, starting the AHL. That, that's fine. And I mean, this is going to be a, it was going to be a, a crazy goalie market in this offseason. And names like Corey Crawford and Corey Schneider were added into that mix today. I don't know if they're really going to be big players in free agency because they've kind of had a little bit of, you know, fall offs in their career. But, uh, the back, of, back position was a big point of emphasis for the Flyers, I guess, because if you didn't bring Elliott back, it was kind of a question of you had to bring in the right guy that was a veteran that could have, you know, the, the veteran appeal, but also didn't want to be the starter. And you couldn't really bring in uh, a young guy that could kind of threaten Carter Hart's, I guess, playing time. But it, nobody was really going to threaten Carter Hart's playing time. It was really more... They just need to make sure they had a reliable. I don't want conflict for the Like, this is a good option, and it worked last year. I've had enough of that shit in my lifetime. I'm just (laughs) having a bona fide starter and a bona fide backup. Like, that would be my worry if they even brought in, like, a Henrik Lundqvist. Like, Lundqvist isn't good enough to be the starter anymore, but there might still be some ego there. I don't think he's a guy who's used to being a backup. It probably isn't the best fit. I think Brian Elliott is a guy who at this point is used to being a backup, used to working in a tandem. And he's obviously got a good rapport with the team. Everybody seems to really like him on yeah. the team. Yeah. To bring him back at a cool million and a half is pretty much exactly what I was hoping for. Yeah, and I, I it's a cap that I can live with. And yeah, I kind of expect him to come back too. And uh, thankfully he did save the Flyers a little bit of money. And right there, that's $2.5 million in cap space that they that Braun and Elliott helped get the Flyers back whilst also filling holes. So that's pretty good work by Fletcher right there. And again, not the most amount of cap space to save, but things are getting a little hairy for the Flyers. So, uh, But Elliott, 16-7-4 uh, last year, 899 save percentage. I felt like he... I don't know. I felt like he was better than that. Or I felt like he served a bigger purpose. I felt like he had pretty good games against the Caps. I felt like he had some good games where he helped the Flyers. Like he, uh, I believe he was in net. Yeah, when the Flyers won against the Blues on the road, when the Flyers couldn't win on the road, and they had the back-to-back against the Bruins. Like, Elliott had a pretty decent game that game. Uh, like, I, I feel like he came up big at big points during the season. And even in the round robin, uh, he played well against the Caps. So, like, as far as backups go, he played a lot better in 2019-20 than I thought he did in... 1819, which again, I mean, when you're talking about the Flyers, you're not going to find too many examples where the guys really killed in 2018 19 and then kind of, yeah, kind of sucked this past season. But uh, so, I just want to know one thing. I just want to know one thing. What what is this nickname I was seeing on Instagram and Twitter for Niskin and this uh, this Stedso Glensky? What what is this? (laughs) Oh, I. I did not know. I've never. Like, is that a steady Eddie variation? Like, I, it's at the Flyers sometimes will pull out these these nicknames on the on their <laughs> social media that I just have never heard of. Like, I usually see them for for Scott Lawton. They'll throw something weird out there, like the Commodores. Like, I'm making that up. I don't know if they've called him the <laughs> Commodore, but I swear they've had a weird nickname for for Lawton before. I'm like, where did that? I've never heard that. Oh wait, here we go. I'm looking at. I found a Dave Isaac article. 
that was talking about it. Hold on. On Stedsko Glensky? Yeah, I just I just did a quick Google search because I had not heard of it either. I yeah, probably should have Googled it. it. Oh, man. Did you guys hear Why that? Why didn't I Google it? You know, just... Uh, the Blue Best Sets <sighs> of Glensky is Matt Niskanen, but we're the... Uh, I think that one has to stay under wraps, Hayes said with a laugh. Too many people have tried to figure out what it means. I don't even know if people know who it's about. That one's going to have to stay with this team. And okay. So that, that must mean like Matt Niskanen has a story from like when he was college, slammed home like 22 fucking like Natty Lights and then just... Like there's, there's a, a nickname that's related to that that is either a crazy drinking story or like just picking up her, like what like there's something in there that he's just not going to tell the public so we're never going to know we're going to we're going to die not knowing god damn it why'd you bring this up it here? has to because I, I saw it on the social media i needed to know it's because it looks weird stensko oh, like is, what yeah. I, I need to know like, a, like does it involve keg stands of bud heavies i need to know matt neskinen yeah come on fly verbally and tell us about stensko glensky <laughs> you have the time now sir yeah, that's fine. He's got time now. Yeah, I mean, and and you don't have to be around us for uh, a podcast. We can do that. Not to worry about COVID for that shit. So uh, we don't even have to be around that. each other to record a podcast. Yeah, and believe me, that's the way we like it. <laughs> we both smell uh, real bad. Real bad. I don't brush my teeth ever. Got horrible breath. It's a whole thing. Yeah, we every possible way we smell it smells, and uh, it's not good to be together. But uh, that's Brent not here. The gum disease known as gingivitis. <laughs> gingivitis. You know who doesn't have gingivitis? These new rookies the Flyers just drafted. Well, we don't know anything about their dental history, so let's not jump to that conclusion. Oh, I do. But let's, I oh, know wait. their dental plan. Hold on. We're not. Were you going to draft picks? Because I'm going to qualifying offers. All right. You want to go to qualifying offers, be well, my guest. They, but I. You, yeah. We got oh, a good transition. You know, uh, well, I mean, all right. I mean. I had talking about the draft picks first, but let's not. No, no, we can talk Get about the no, qualifying you know offers, sir. Draft picks. Draft picks. Flyers made five oh, you draft mother. picks. Hey, we'll talk about it. Uh, Flyers made five picks. And uh, that's what they did at the 2020 NHL entry draft. Uh, Chuck Fletcher made two uh, trades to move up to draft players. So he traded uh, 116th overall, which was a fourth, and 147th overall, which is a fifth, to Tampa Bay to move up to 94th overall in the fourth round, which they used to pick uh, Zade Wisdom, who I'll tell you before we talk about his story. You're going to love him immediately. He's probably going to be a fan favorite by like this time next year. Uh, also traded their two sevenths, uh, 202nd overall, 209th overall to Nashville for 135th overall, which was uh, in the fifth round, which is where they took Elliot DeNoyers. And I cannot say the same about him. But uh, five time, five picks. First time they've only made five picks since 2008. Steve, listen to this draft class. For 2008, Lucas Spee is a 19th overall. Mark Andre Bordone, 67th overall. Jacob Desaires, 84th overall. Zach Ronaldo, six oh six round. Sorry, first round, third round, third round. Zach Ronaldo, sixth round. Joakim Eriksson, seventh round. That was that's a an all-star draft. team right there. That's a draft. The Flyers left, and they were like, you know what? We did our jobs. We deserve every penny of our paycheck for these fucking Lucas Pisa bomb. Mark Andre Bord. Mark Andre Bordone could have been. Something, um, like maybe not a great NHL player, but he could have served on a third line, a third pair for a while. Which, okay, uh, Jacob Sears was, yeah, Zach Ronaldo. We all know Zach Ronaldo, and then jokes. I think for, uh, Erickson I played know, some bro. games too. <laughs> I know, bro. God damn that fucking story. Uh, and then 
They also made six a bunch of times in 2011 when they got Katori and Nick Cousins, 2013 when they got Hag, and then in 2014 when they got Hexall's first draft, uh, six picks. They got Sandheim, NAK, Freeman, and Limblom. So, yeah, that guy has a real fucking bone. Really set back this franchise for several years. Uh, and then from 2008 to 2011, uh, it's, it's the lack of draft hitting on draft picks that the Flyers felt for a couple of years there. 2008 to 2011, uh, the only player they got out of the draft was Katoria. Like they had Cousins for a bit, but Katoria was the only real tangible player that actually made a huge difference on their roster for years. So uh, kind of incredible. But five picks, uh, and again, this draft was a little unique because not nearly as much time. Well, there's actually more time leading into it, but the downtime during quarantine wasn't really downtime for a lot of people. So I think a lot of the keeping up with the draft picks or like this year's draft kind of got lost on some people, but I've been looking at, I've been reading about the Flyers grades, looking up on all the draft picks and everything. And uh, Promen gave them a C overall. And this is what he said. The Flyers didn't have a lot of picks, but got a fair number of players who could play in the NHL. I struggle with Tyson Forrester at 22. He's a good player, a future NHL player, but with his skating, it's hard to see me, hard for me to see a top six forward. Connor McLennan at 178 has a chance to provide value. If he gets a little quicker. So Forrester. I guess uh, Pronman just couldn't see the Forrester for the trees. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I hate myself for that. All right. So let's, we're just, let's keep moving on. This is a professional hockey podcast. Yep. Okay. So 23rd overall, the Flyers took Tyson Forrester, six foot two, 194 pound Canadian right-hand center, uh, 80 points in 62 games last year for the Barry Colts in the OHL. 36 goals, tied for 16th in points and 15th in goals in the OHL. Uh, Barry finished 16th in the 20-team OHL with 220 goals. Uh, He had 80 points, uh, and two players, Ethan Cardwell and Aiden Brown, both undrafted uh, overagers, were tied for second on the team with 47 points. So he pulled the Taylor Hall deserves a heart trophy thing of just separating himself (laughs) from the pack of, like, literally everybody else on the team, like 33 points. Uh, led the team with uh, 36 goals. Yeah, Cardwell was 23rd, or, or second with 23. 225 shots led the team. Cardwell was second again with 166. So, dude was kind of the team. Like, he he was the go-to source for offense on the Barry Colts, who, again, you know, they were 15th in goals in the 20-team OHL. But when you're only one putting up points, it's kind of hard to, you know, give your team more goals, I guess. I don't know. Uh, he moved they from They call 40- him Forrester Gump for, the, for a reason. He's the go-to guy. I gotta. I can't even. I, I, he moved from forty first <laughs> to a twenty first. Doctor Peppers. <laughs> oh yeah, I hopped up on the Doctor Pep. The kind of jeeps up there. You got like three Doctor Peppers in you. Is that what's going on? Yeah, yeah, and I'm gonna tell you know famous U.S. presidents that I have to urinate now. <laughs> uh, so he is a riser. They moved from forty first of the midterm rank with sexual scouting rankings to twenty first. It's a positive. He was mocked out a little bit higher than he got picked. He was 33rd on Promen's uh, seven-round mock, 34th on Wheeler's uh, top 100 prospects going into the draft, and then 35th on draft sites seven-round mock. So, And going forward, I'm referencing Promen's. You know, I'm going to talk about all this for everybody. So, uh, But he is a shoe-first player. So Shoot. we wanted a sniper. Wanted a sniper. I guess you can't – I think you can consider him. I don't know. He get, the fucker shoots all the time. He can shoot and score. He's got a ridiculous one-timer. When you watch highlights of him, he, they 
finds open space and they set him up for one timers nonstop. He will just tee off on one timers, just walking up to the puck. What like, more do you people down. want? This is this he, is all you people have asked for. He can. What more could you want? <laughs> he can uh, laser wristers from the top of the circles and they go in. Like he was re- going through and watching his goals. He was just beating oh, he, screen goalie from far out. Like I, he's got dude a was firing away. Shot. Like, yeah, so he can shoot. Can shoot. Um, and that's really the big selling point because again, the shooting is fine. Um, and Promen also on his rankings where he had him, um, uh, 33rd, I believe. Yeah. Uh, he had, he ranked uh, on a moving scale from 20 to 80, going, I guess, in increments of 10. Promen put, uh, Forrester shot at 70. And for the sake of comparison, the only other 70s he handed out in those top 131 draft uh, prospect rankings were um, Alexander Holtz, who went seventh overall to the Devils, who was regarded as the best shot in the draft um, by some. And then Jacob Perel, who went 27th overall, who is a guy I have been screaming about for like the last week or so, and I know other people were pretty high on him, and he was the guy that fit the bill of the Flyers need a sniper, this guy's going to be there. Jacob Perel was that guy. Uh, Pavel Gogolev, who was an overager who went undrafted. He was somebody who's been like hyped up the last couple of years and just couldn't get drafted. I mean, if Chuck wants to take a swing at that guy, go ahead. Uh, and then Sam Stange, who went 97th overall in the fourth round of Detroit. But four other guys got a 70-plus rating. So for that, out of those 131 top prospects. So Forrest has got a pretty good shot. Like compared to everybody else in the draft, he's got a pretty, pretty good shot. And again, this team, the prospect pool needed a guy that can score goals and not really greasy goals, just going to the net and putting in rebounds or looking for redirections in front. A guy that can score by shooting, uh, which I can't like, sounds like a funny, like <laughs> blind spot. Like, you know, the Flyers need more guys that know how to score by shooting rather than just like cleaning up rebounds and stuff. Yeah. But, but it, it makes sense. Yeah, it definitely. Look, yeah. Like, when you look at the prospect pool, it makes sense. <laughs> well, and also makes sense. If you look at the, the makeup of the current team, I mean, what drives yeah. people nuts about the flyers is that they've got so many great passers, but that's the problem is they don't really have that many pure scorers. And the one pure scorer they do have is JVR and, we all we, we have exhausted talking about JVR and the mixed perception on him. So let's not discuss it any further. The Flyers don't have a lot of pure shooters. They don't have guys who just like to fucking rip the puck to the back of the net. So this is a, a yeah. welcome addition in that regard. I saw uh, some comparison on the draft coverage to Corey Perry. And it, it's yeah. basically like Corey Perry without the being a complete piece of shit that everybody so hates. So bring him in. Yeah. I, although, like, if we're going to get the Corey Perry... I'll take the, the jerk. Perry. Yeah, I want the jerk. Give me the, the full Corey story, Perry yeah. experience, but people uh, hate yeah. Corey Perry. But guess what? Corey Perry has scored a shit ton of goals in this league. Yeah, yeah and Corey Perry also just signed a one-year deal with the Stars and uh, was a pretty big nuisance in the postseason. So, I don't know. Like, I, as long as they're on the Flyers, I can piss whoever the hell they want off. I mean, like, like on Craig the ice. Button. Craig Button was the one who made that Yo, Craig Button. Screaming at us. Let's talk about talking. Craig Button. What in the fuck was he on that night? Batman, like, it was either, like, nine Red Bulls, a couple bunks, bumps of Coke. Like, he was on something, because it was, at, he was just yelling left and right. Like, I don't know it if he, I don't know if that was the first. As <laughs> the NHL draft has any right to be. I don't know. Maybe that was the first time, maybe he did his drafts research before, like, the beginning of March. 
And then just from like March until now, he has not talked to another living soul. And then he's like, I just got to get this all out. And I want people to hear what I got to say. I know about these hockey children and these people are going to hear about it. And maybe that's what I, I don't know what got into him, but it was, I mean, I, on behalf of it was scary on behalf of Craig's everywhere. That's not, we're not all like that. And I'm sorry that he was freaking out and just yelling at you. And, uh, yeah, but that was, yeah, that was, that was Craig, but Craig button is, I think probably the person that was highest on Tyson Forrester too. I think he had him going like 16th in his, one of his mock drafts. So, but Craig button feels like one of those guys that loves every prospect. You know what I mean? Like a seventh, like a late seventh round pick has the potential to like play along, like alongside Crosby or some shit. Like they, he, I feel like he like kind of fluffs up every fucking player like that. Like they're all. I mean, which to be fair, that's pretty much what Pittsburgh strategy. To be fair, that's pretty much what Pittsburgh strategy is for Sidney Crosby. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, well, yeah, I was gonna say. I guess that's true for any. By the way, we're gonna talk about Pittsburgh draft because I. Really like what Jim Rutherford's doing out there. Um, you got any more goalies because Pittsburgh's going to take them. Because <laughs> they're going to take them and not have a pick in the first round. It was a uh, that was a lot of fun. I mean, that was that was fun watching them do all that. But uh, get, let's get back to let's get back to Parsha real quick. So the shooting, he he has a shot, and if he gets to the when he's in the NHL, the shot should be lethal and deadly. The question is whether or not his skating is going to improve enough to make him an adequate and reliable NHLer, a top six NHLer, oh, which Proman just laid that, that out. And uh, yeah, have we ever heard that before? With that, that? that is the Flyers' bread and butter right there. Yeah, if Barely we could stop, bring them up, sign <laughs> them up. If we can stop with the league moving towards like more speed and more scoring, and like I don't know, can we not? Can we not? Like, can you imagine just like other sports where like draft pools were like, man, they got a lot of great prospects coming up. They can't really run though. Like I don't know, they have some trouble like walking and running, but like they can catch everything. They got a hell of an arm. Like they're really physical, but like sometimes they'll just trip over their own feet. Like you can't really trust them running. Like isn't that? That's not like that's a bad. I feel like we should maybe not have that be the calling card of the Flyers prospect pool now. Like let's maybe gravitate. Like let's have really fast prospects. You know, maybe just throwing that out there. Anyway, uh, looking at Charlie's piece. (laughs) No, okay, (laughs) looking at Charlie's. Uh, article on uh, Tyler Forrester. Um, he was talking about how uh, Proman had gotten word from an NHL scout, uh, a quote that said, uh, he's a very smart player with a world-class shot and a lot of skill, but he's so hard to get past his skating. He's behind the pace of the OHL, which sounds alarming. Like, that's not a good sense you want to hear. However, the positives are, Forrester said he has been working on his skating for six months now. And uh, according to Paul Matheson, who was Barry's skating coach, uh, there was a thread that people were um, retweeting yesterday. Pretty much talking, like Matheson went through and talked about all the tweaks he's made to Tyson Forrester's skating. And it looks like he's improved vastly over the last couple of months. Pretty much the whole thing was uh, Forrester just wasn't getting his ass into it. Like he was skating too much upright and he needed to pretty much squat down and have the weight of his upper body leaning over his shoulders so that when you push off your legs, it all the it's really more of your legs doing the work than you know kind of your core and your upper body having to be carried along so uh it apparently has been working out pretty well uh some of the other things he noted that i don't know anything about with uh, the skating is uh he also cut down on excessive shoulder rotation and torque from his stride whatever the hell that means so it sounds like he's working on the skating and again we've seen 
it's something that they kind of mentioned with Brink, but Brink looked fine in the NCAA. We'll see, or the first season in the NCAA, we'll see if it holds him in the pros. That was the thing we kept hearing with Limblom, uh, and we keep hearing with Matthew Strom. And honestly, kind of like those are, I think, probably the three most prominent guys we hear about the skating with right now for the prospects. And they all kind of have different sure. outcomes. And like Limblom is like, you know, people slept on his skating and they're like, they're worried about his skating, some other stuff, and got into the fifth round. And now he is. He was on pace for 30 goals last year before um, unfortunate circumstances. Uh, Bobby Brink is a guy that looks like the skating he still needs to work on. But again, he had a pretty strong season his first year in the NCAA. And then Matthew Strom, who it looks like the skating might actually cost him. Uh, but, you know, these guys are still prospects, still plenty of time to improve the skating. And it sounds like Forrester is already tackling it before he's even a member of the franchise. So I think that's encouraging. And uh, looking at some other stats here. Um, I mean, honestly with Forrester, like if he, if the skating doesn't work out, maybe he can just hang out by the blue line and then the flyers get the, you know, he just hangs out in the circle in the blue line. Yeah. yeah like he just makes sure he's not off sides and then he's like, just cherry picks all the time, which by yeah, the way, yeah, make him is... a professional cherry picker. It sounds like it's going to work <laughs> out great. That is, they some team is eventually going to do that, and I am very excited for it. Like some team is going to figure out why a way not the to... Flyers. The the Flyers could be pioneers on this front. Hey, look, Let's if, make it happen. You got a bunch of guys that can't stay on their skates from end to end. May as well not make them go end to end. You know what I mean? Like may it's more likely they'll stay up for a third of the ice. So fuck it. I mean, what do we got to lose? You know, next year is going to be a funky year anyway with uh, the COVID situation and the season starting on, in January and shit. So may as well. May as well bend the rules of the NHL, but that's, I mean, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, Forrester also compares himself to TJ Oshie, which sure. I mean, if you want to be TJ Oshie, I'm fine with that. Uh, and then, uh, a couple of the advanced stats I saw via the point, which is, uh, I don't know who runs the point, but they, they really go with advanced stats and they did a bunch for the first round, uh, every pick in the first round, I believe. And the stats they had for Forrester, uh, I'm going to read the stat and then tell you what OHL rank he was uh, in Ontario Hockey League. So 1.3 points per game was 29th in the OHL. Uh, 57 seconds of ozone puck possession per game was 16th in the OHL. 2.5 slot shots per game, 14th in the OHL. 3.7 slot pass receptions per game, first. So that means Barry was either looking for them all the time, looking for him all the time, and he does a really good job of getting to the slot, or he, or he's able to set up in the slot and just receive passes pretty well. And any way you want to look at it, the fact that he led the league in slot receptions per game is a pretty good stat because it means he's just going to the fucking slot. Like he's looking for the shot, he's looking for the area you go to score goals, and he's got a ridiculous shot. So I feel like that's encouraging to hear. And also, if he's doing that while apparently lacking in the skating department noticeably in the OHL, if he improves the skating. Uh, I think we're cooking. Kind of like what we got here. It looks, uh, you know what I mean? Kind of looking uh, yeah, like in the outlook. Yeah. I am picking up what you're putting down. But my question to you, Craig Forsyth, okay. is if you were Chucky Two Trades, if you were Chuck Fletcher in this situation, would you have picked Tyson Forrest? Okay. So, like, I'm not trying to do a cop out. I really, this draft, I, it was like the fucking least I've known about in years just because of COVID and everything else and getting pushed back and then the short turnaround between the regular season and the draft or the playoffs and the, the draft and everything. My only gut instinct would have been going with Perel. And I also did a lot of research on Connor's area and I liked him a lot, but I think the only name I would throw out there 
Uh, I think the only Eli Tolvanen I have for this Morgan Frost would be like Jacob Fro would be the only one. But again, I, like Farser can shoot and he can, sh- you know, fire the puck on that in a variety of ways with either his wrist shot or slap shot or one timer. I, I, I kind of like Farsh's appeal too. Like if he ends up, I I think I can live with the Farsh pick. Like I don't think it's gonna you know in a couple of years it, it may not even matter. But right now I kind of like Fro more. But in theory, a lot of the reasons they they drafted him, I can really get behind. Yeah, yeah, and again they did more work for this draft than I did. And also Pro, I'm only going based off of I only know Pro is good at shooting and likes to shoot and is. But at the same time, this is Farsh's known for, and it sounds like he's got a more complete game um and i the thing with zary would have been honestly if they had taken zary i would have felt a little less confident because the thing about zary was he's a great all-around player but he's he doesn't have that one distinct trait that really draws him out of the crowd so it could be a thing that once he gets to the nhl he's just like a reliable bottom six guy but like forrester you know if he makes it he should be able to provide you goals anywhere in the lineup so i think I'm fine with the mentality of this pick. I like this pick, and I like that the clear organizational need was getting a dude that can shoot and score. And it sounds like they have one. The big reason why people were shied away from or, or didn't have the most amount of support for him was because they were really concerned about his skating. And it sounds like the, the two camps became, if you believe he can fix his skating, he's a real threat. If you don't believe he can fix his skating, he could just, you know, he, he might be a flop. But if you can fix the skating, it sounds like they really have really have something there. And, uh, you know, again, this is what I want to say about prospects. Like, I'm not going to completely count him out. I, I, I believe he can. Like, there's no reason not to like this pick or think he can't do it. So until he proves otherwise, um, I like the pick. And I, I, I think I can see him in the NHL one day. So that's uh, – what about you, Stephen? Did you have any uh... – <laughs> Don't you so, ask me. <laughs> cool. No, I, I don't. I if you don't know much about these picks, I know even less. I don't know shit. So, well, yeah. I mean, like here's I, the thing. Based on yeah. what I've heard, and based on organizational need, and what their strengths have been with drafting, and the kind of players that there are, I am totally fine with this. Uh, hopefully, again, they can work on the skating appropriately to get it up to speed, but. I love that shot and I love getting a guy with a cannon for a shot. Like I just haven't seen that on the flyers in a hot minute. So I, I really yeah. am excited no, to see this kid in a couple of years. Yeah. And I should say too, like about the draft stuff, like I, it's all, I kind of go like how much I feel the names of the draft. Like I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was a 2017 draft. I did a ton of research. And I remember like looking at the names at the end of the draft and I feel like, I couldn't have told you, like, the traits of everybody, but I recognize, like, almost, like, probably, like, 210 out of 217 names. Like, this year, we started getting to the second or third round, and I was like, I, okay, I have no clue what the fuck these guys are. Like, I don't know who any of these people are. But Welcome to my world. <laughs> but I can't say that about the Flyers' second-round pick, which I am a big fan of. Oh, wow. It's uh, Emil Andre, a five foot nine, 183-pound Swedish left-handed defenseman, and... Right off the bat, there's probably some people that are like, I don't like the sound of that pick. But he was supposed to go pretty high. I mean, like, so he went 54th overall. I know in our community draft board, mock draft, I think he went 29th, 30th. Like, he went in the late first round. Um, and he was mocked to uh, Promen almost got him. Promen had him at 55th uh, overall. 
So he, real close. Uh, Draft Slate had him 39th overall. So again, just out of the first round. And then Wheeler had him 21st on his top 100 prospects going into the draft. So to get a guy that was 21st, I that's pretty good to get at 54 without having to trade up to get him too. Um, and uh, one of the knocks is he slightly dropped in the European skater rankings, uh, central scouting uh, rankings from 13th to 15th. Uh, but let's get more on that, Andre. Uh, 38 points in 40 games with the HV71s uh, under 20 team last year and 10 games where he went pointless uh, with HV71 uh, in the SHL last year. So he had one season playing against men before his draft year. Also has one assist in five games so far with the HV71. Um, and on Promen's top 131 prospects, he are in 60s in puck skills and hockey sense. So uh, again, to me, it really feels a lot more about the value there, and I think that's what Fletcher came out and said, but it was... Um, I love you know, a good value pick. I mean, again, you know, mobile defensemen that are more offensive-oriented really isn't necessarily an organizational need, but again, when this guy is falling, he's a guy that could have gone in the first, and some people thought he was going to go in the first, and you're sitting there later in the second round. I mean, yeah, may as well take him. And again, you don't know what we, I mean, we know we knew Niskanen was going down, and now that puts a lot of questions about the current right side of the roster, and or uh, questions about the right side of the roster, and now uh, that can alter the prospect pool too. So you really don't know what you're going to need three to four years down the line. You can just get the best talent available, and then we'll see how it works out. But um, look, talking about his game, um, so problem was high on his puck skills and hockey sense. And uh, because he played over in Sweden, I believe Alexander Appleyard uh, of the Athletic was able to get eyes on him often. And uh, he wrote for his uh, scouting. uh, He writes for Smart Scouting, S-M-A-H-T Scouting. Uh, And he likens his game to Jared Spurgeon. So uh, says Spurgeon is a better skater right now. So again, Andre apparently has some things to work out with the skating. So surprise, you know, drink. Um, but apparently Andre is left-handed and also flashier. Uh, and although he is not uh, big, he has no issues playing physically. Uh, plays, I mean, he skates well. He's really good with the puck. Able to walk the blue line really well. Um, I like this highlight. Like, watching his highlights, I, I feel like you can kind of see what value it brings to your defense. And again, not necessarily something the Flyers need right now, but this guy's going to get time to, you know, kind of groom into being an NHL-ready defenseman. So I, I think he will play meaningful minutes to the Flyers one day. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much all we got right now on this guy. But that's – I like him I mean, a lot. It seems like a good high-value pick, especially for yeah, that's really where the Flyers got him. Uh, this is one of the, the more exciting picks as far as the, the analysis I read on the matter. So uh, yeah, it yeah, seems yeah. like a solid one from uh, old Chucky Two Trades. And I will say, like, I – Two years in the Chuck Fletcher drafting, I like his two, I like his four f- uh, first round and second round picks. So like I like I like York, Brink, Forrester, and Emil Andre. Honestly, like overall, like I I like York a lot, and Brink again. I thought was another really good value pick. Brink was projected to go in the first round last year, and the Flyers got him a little a little bit outside of that. And the same with Andre and Forrester might be a. Re- might be a reach, and York wasn't really a reach. It was just kind of Cole Caulfield was right there, and everybody wanted Cole Caulfield. So, like, 
Yeah, I mean, the we draft remember party that. the draft party was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> the draft party, rea- the BSH draft party reaction last year when the Flyers did not get Cole Caulfield twice was yeah. <laughs> hysterical. Yeah, but I mean, those they feel like four players that will be a big part of the Flyers' plans going forward. Which I know that's supposed to be the case with the first and second round picks, but like sometimes, I mean, like. I feel like even Hextall kind of missed on second, well, even first round picks at times over the uh, over his tenure. This is a germ. Yeah, this is who I was kind of thinking of. And again, germ, germ still has time to be good. Uh, We just got to kind of see it kind of soon. So this guy, though, this is I'm not sure what his on ice results are going to be, but this is a really hard guy to root against. And I think once people learn more about his story, uh, they're going to be big fans of him. But uh, 94th overall in the fourth round, guy named Zade Wisdom, uh, 5'10", 201-pound Canadian center, 59 points, uh, 29 of which were goals in 62 games for the Kingston Frontenacs last year in the OHL, played with Shane Wright, uh, and we'll talk about Shane Wright in a little bit coming up, but uh, if you don't know who Shane Wright is, he is a, I don't want to say he's the next McDavid, he's going to be the next force of nature that's going to be at the top of the draft in a couple of years here. He's one that we already know we're talking about now and he's expected to go first overall in 2022. And he was in, it was his first year in the OHL and he had joined the OHL um, a year earlier because um, he got an exceptional status status. And he was one of the best, I think he was the best player on Kingston. So he was the best player on the OHL team the year before he should have been playing in the OHL. So this guy is going to be, a fucking monster. And that's why I'm kind of worried about the Penguins going to be so bad. They might have a chance to get him in two years, but that's not there. We don't have to worry about that shit right now. Uh, and then also in 2018-19, uh, Wisdom had 10 points, save which were goals in 60 games for Kingston. Um, what I do like about him is he is a big-time riser on the draft ranks. So according to Scout Wheeler, who did a whole piece on him, which we will talk about uh, in a second, he wasn't on Central Scouting's original 374-name list going into the 2019-20 season. Then he jumped from being 375th or worst to 90th at the midterm rankings. And then from midterm to final rankings, jumped from 90th to 54th. So he jumped over 300 positions from the start of the year to the draft. So he's doing something right that's catching everybody's eyes. And again, he's... I mean, his story is pretty good. And also, he's also just gotten a lot better shape. And I think playing with a talent like... Shane Wright, I, looking at the highlights, like there's going to be a lot of people that are just saying that it is all Shane Wright when it comes to him producing and everything. And I mean, again, that's fair because I just told you who Shane Wright is, but uh, he, I feel like the guy still has a ton of speed. Um, the big, his big thing is physicality. So everywhere on the ice, you're going to notice him physically, but it doesn't sound like it's just hitting and not being involved in the play. It sounds like he's pretty ferocious four checker too. Uh, he's a guy that, is able to control the puck with physicality, kind of like, and again, we're going to, he idolized Wayne Simmons growing up. So, but kind of like a guy like Wayne Simmons, like a big power forward type, or even, I don't want to see JVR is not really that type either, but like a guy that's kind of able to work with the puck and work through traffic and get to the front of the net, can check people and uh, is pretty, I mean, there's concerns over his skating, but he has a decent shot and he's able to get to the net a lot and causes problems in front of the net as well. So, not exactly. Wayne Simmons himself came out and said, hey, Philly, here's your next fan favorite right here. Oh, yeah. And like, so he's got a rough and tumble type of playing style. And I don't know, like he if he's fast and he has a decent shot, too, it might end up panning out in the, uh, in the NHL. But here's why you're going to like him. Is 
came from he, he's had a pretty hard life uh he grown up with his family uh, he had very little uh and again the scout Wheeler piece that was um it's on the athletic i forget what the title of it is right now i'll look it up in a second but um he, he talked about how you know he we'd always ask his mom for mcdonald's when he was younger and his mom was like oh we can't get that this week and then remembers going to the food banks to get like weekly meals so he could eat that week. And also the lights would go out frequently and he'd be like, why are the lights out? And his mom would tell him, Oh, the, they're just working on the neighborhood. Everybody's lights are down. They're just doing some maintenance or whatever. And later on, he learned that was just because his mom couldn't pay the bills. And, um, it was him, his mom and his brother and his dad who recently came back into his life had been out of the picture for a while. Um, and he was, uh, Wheeler shared in the article at one point in time, I think, when he started playing hockey, he realized he couldn't really get the new clothes and equipment that all of his teammates were getting because he was doing things like sharing a bed with his mom and brother because they didn't really have much else to do. And one of the issues that he ran into when he started playing hockey was he is a black player, so he was the only black player in some of the leagues and games he was playing in. And um, Wheeler goes on to add that, quote, it wasn't until he was introduced to trainer Daryl Levy in minor peewee a minor hockey coach, Jason Payne, who now coaches the ECHL Cincinnati Cyclones, and later NHLer Wayne Simmons. Uh, and then Wisdom became a staple with Simmons' annual Road Hockey Warriors charity ball hockey tournament for underprivileged children. That Wisdom began to see people at the rink who liked, uh, who looked like him. So, which is so that, important. Like we we talk yeah, about no, getting that's... more diversity in hockey and how important it is. And Zade Wisdom's story is exactly why this is important yeah and uh i mean like so all that stuff too and then like wheeler had the stuff like when he started going to these tournaments like when people started realizing he had skill and he could actually do something with you know his uh, hockey career uh he would go travel to the tournaments and there'd be nights that like his family would run out of car on the on the way to the tournaments and they would sleep in the car wake up the next day and get gas and then go to the tournament and he fell to the fourth round in the OHL draft because he was five foot nine, two twenty five, uh, and so teams focused on his size rather than the fact he was like his obnoxious scoring totals and how he was lighting up whatever leagues he was playing in. Um, so between the draft and the next OHL season, after he had been drafted, he had lost fifteen pounds in that short amount of time. And then coming into this season, he lost an additional seven pounds. So after getting Overlooked for being too big at the draft, he went out and he lost 22 pounds over two NHL seasons. Um, and f- just in terms of his life scope, after going through all that, in 2019-20, he got rewarded by his, like I mentioned, his dad came back into the picture, and apparently that process is healing. And also, he was put on line with Shane Wright, who is a phenomenal player and kind of helped his profile to get recognized with some other teams. And again, Wisdom... You look at his highlights. He makes good plays, and I think he has enough speed to be effective in the NHL. And if he's a physical player, he, there will be roles to be had in the Flyers organization or in Wilson in the NHL. Um, but all that, and he ended when asked about the draft and if what it would mean for him to get drafted and everything. This was his response. He said, quote, it would mean a future to me. I look at it as a need, not a want. I need to get drafted. That's what I need to do. This isn't an option for me. It needs to happen because I need to be able to make, to help my mom out and get through this with my family. It's one word to sum it up. Need. I'm going to make it one day and I'm going to make sure our power never gets shut off again. So like, yeah, 
yeah, this guy needs to make the team. Like, there's really no other way to put it. Like, this guy's story is remarkable. And, like, just reading that yesterday, I, I'm just – I'm happy that he's a prospect for the Flyers. I won't really see him make it now because that's really hard to not root for that guy. Like, it's just an incredible story. And the fact that he's gotten to this point – the fact he's even gotten here and gotten drafted is a success within itself. But, I mean – you want to see, see him how, in the I want to see him go. Like, you want to yeah, see I want to see how far he can go. Yeah. Complete the process on this. Yeah, and I do want to see him. I want to see him play for the Flyers. Yeah. If he's going to do this and I, and I, you know, I'm going to feel this way about the story, he's got a, I, I want him to make it with the Flyers now. I can't see this story and then see him get a chance with the Rangers or something. It's got to be, <laughs> it's got to be with the Flyers. This is our guy. This right here. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got the Wayne Simmons endorsement. What more could you want? No, it's, yeah, it's a remarkable yeah, story. He's got the Wayne Simmons endorsement. And, I mean, honestly, we've talked about this before, how hockey can kind of be this elitist sport where only richer kids can play it because it does cost so damn much to play. And this is why programs like Snyder Hockey are so important and so vital uh, because they help these lower-income kids learn to to play hockey and love hockey and afford hockey, which is the biggest problem for the sport at the end of the day is actually affording it. And it's, it's great that he found a way it's, it doesn't happen a lot of the time. So it's, it's so great that he found a way. And I'm so happy that he found people that he could relate to that looked like him that are playing the game, which is why the hockey diversity Alliance, black girls, hockey club, you know, all this stuff is so important. We need the NHL to continue to, be a more diverse league for these reasons, because then it just, you know, we're, we're on a better path. We're making strides. I want to see it continue to make strides and do better. So, uh, I'm very excited for Zade, uh, wisdom. I really hope he makes it and, uh, great pick here. Love it. A plus. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, honestly, one of the other things you look at before a guy gets drafted is, you know, if you think he has the personality or the character traits to get to the NHL, and this guy seems pretty fucking determined. And, That's a big uh, one for the Flyers in particular. The Flyers really value character traits when yeah. they're drafting guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think, and you, you, everything you were just saying is, is right. And I think in the article, uh, um, Zade's mother did like acknowledge too that like the hockey is a hard sport to get into for the financial reasons. And they kind of, you know, they were lucky enough that people were able to help them, you know, get all the equipment they need and kind of get, get to where he needs to be now. So, like, they, he was fortunate enough to get the help he needed when he needed it, but it's not still really there for everybody that could utilize it. But that is still, I mean, like, this is, uh, yeah, this is, this is a guy that people are going to love if he, if he actually does get close to the NHL. I think people are going to love him. I mean, like, once they get their story, which, again, Flyers just picked him yesterday. So, hopefully, by the start of next season, everybody's going to wear the story and uh, see how far away he um, is from uh, getting to the NHL. But the Flyers have to sign his rights by um, 2022, I believe. Yeah, that would be because he is a um, OHL talent. So, yeah, that's the thing I forgot to put for all these. All of these guys, they have to be signed by June I believe it's June 1st, 2022, because they were all drafted. They're supposed to be drafted for at the 2020 draft. Junior players have two years. Uh, you have two years to sign them, 
and every single four of these five guys played in junior hockey last year. So, uh, and Emil Andre is the only one, and the Flyers have uh, until twenty twenty four, I believe, to sign him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, but moving on from Zade. Uh, so the feel good story of Zade with them is now going to be followed up by. Uh, I think one of the more confusing picks I've seen from the Flyers <laughs> in a minute. But, and again, I was going to say, not... we went from, we, we also went from one of the best names that the Flyers drafted. Zade Wisdom is just a straight up cool, cool yeah, name. That's just an awesome to name. Yeah. A name that is just so close to being a badass name, but just misses the mark. So, 135th overall in the fifth round was Elliot De Noyers. I'm saying De Noyers. I'm going to assume the S is silent. I don't actually know. Denoyers is probably right. I don't know for sure, but it's so close to Destroyers. Come on, just oh, it is so pretty, close. Yeah. yeah, so close. Right there. 5'11", <laughs> uh, 172 pound Canadian left winger. Uh, 35 points in 61 games with the Moncton Wildcats in the QMJHL last season. Had 11 goals. Uh, so I just want to say, I. So the three major like Canadian junior leagues are the OHL, WHL, and QMJHL. OHL is considered the hardest, I believe, is considered, like, the toughest league to play in. Probably the toughest to score in. So if guys are really producing in that league, that's the league that most closely mimics, I guess, NHL-style NHL hockey. So those are the guys to pay attention to, and a lot of teams go there. WHL is kind of coming up on the OHL, I think, in terms of being there. Like, WHL is pretty respectable league, too. And QMJHL is good, but it's really more offensive-oriented. Like... It's a lot. If guys aren't putting up points in the QMJHL, it's you kind of wonder what's going on. And uh, eleven goals in sixty-one games during your draft year is kind of a uh, you know, like what uh, what's, uh, what's going on there? That's uh, that's not a lot of goals. Not a lot of that's not a lot of goals he was playing in anyway. So yeah, for a league that is known for just scoring and like generating like offensive defensemen that put up high points on goals. Uh, you know, maybe, that, I don't know. And then uh, he had 31 points in 61 games in 2018-19 where he had 12 goals. Never averaged a point per game in AAA hockey either. Uh, and again, like the point I was saying about uh, Forrester uh, and how the Barry Colts were kind of bad and he was the guy there just like, Here, do something with the puck. The, the, the Wildcats are not that bad. Uh, Moncton finished second in the QMJHL last year and uh, 276 goals overall was the second most in, in the, the Q. So... This pick, again, I'm going to have to look more into why, what his big appeal is, but according to uh, Elite Prospects, uh, his playing style is, quote, he's so much better off the puck than he is on it. If you want a player who will selfishly run headfirst through a brick wall, if that's what's necessary for his lineman to succeed, to succeed then look no further than Denoyers. He plays an honest brand of hockey in the defensive zone and never flees a moment sooner than his team uh, has secured the puck. So, again... Guy that played in the queue didn't put up a ton of goals, and the best scouting report we can get on him is he's not selfish. I don't know. Like I, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel good. Like it doesn't feel like a good pick. Also, he dropped from uh, 141st in the midterm rankings to 175th overall in the North American Skater ranking, so 34 spots. And then he was mocked to uh, Promen had him going 216. 216th overall, which is the second to last pick in the draft. This is the 134th, 135th pick we're talking about. Not ranked on Wheeler's top 100 uh, prospects, which again is fair because it is a fifth round pick. And then 120th on the draft site. So he got, apparently he was a steal going to the draft site, but Promen wasn't a big fan. And from what I'm gathering, I 
I don't know. Maybe he's an absolute monster that we have to watch on tape when it comes to defense, and that's what you don't see in the scouting reporter numbers. But I, as it stands right now, this feels like a Samuel Dove McFalls pick to me. But I guess we'll uh, let, let's see what happens. Again, I wasn't going to say I'm going to rip on any prospects where they ever do anything for the Flyers. So I'm just saying this guy. <laughs> I'm hope I hope I'm wrong on this guy, and he starts tearing it up, and it becomes like a twenty goal like fancy stats monster in the NHL, but I, I will we'll need to see that come come to fruition. So this might feel like this is really... what it feels like when Dub McFall's cry. Yeah, there it is. That's right. It's been a couple of years since we could uh, squeeze that puppy on there. But we uh... Yeah, I missed it. I missed it. <laughs> well we did. So and then the fifth and final pick for the Flyers in this year's draft, uh, Connor McLennan. Sixth round, 178th overall, five foot eight, 157 pound Canadian right winger, kinda small. Also worth noting that he broke his collarbone last year. That's why he um, was kind of uh, – he didn't play as many games as he could have. He only played 42 games as an alternate captain for alternate captain for the Winnipeg Ice and WHL. Uh, 49 points in those 42 an games. an original team name right there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, the uh, – although they used to be the – yeah, I think they were the team name. I think they were the – But uh, – he had 21 goals in 42 games. And the Flyers just got this guy in the sixth round. So, And he's got a big old history of goal scoring. Um, he's got, uh, We'll get to that in a second, actually. He dropped from 43rd to 65th on sc- uh, central scouting rankings from the midterm rankings to the final rankings. Pretty sure that's because he wasn't playing. Um, and then there's the pandemic. Uh, he was mocked 115th on Promen's mock. 49th on Wheeler's top 100 prospects. So the guy that was 49th on that list, the Flyers got 178th overall. Big fan of that. 102nd on draft site. So again, he he was, he fell on all those lists, and the Flyers ended up getting him. Uh, and it sounds like a lot of people were just passing on him because of his size, which again, five foot eight really isn't. You know, it, it's not really. That's kind of small. That may be. He He's may just not make a little it guy. <laughs> he could score. Uh, and, but he can score goals. Uh, and I, I like investing in this type of pick late in the draft because, uh, he's got a line of scoring goals. He's got a history of scoring goals. So going back to that, fifteen sixteen, he scored twenty six goals in twenty three U fifteen games. Sixteen seventeen, forty five goals in thirty U fifteen games. Seventeen eighteen, twenty six goals in thirty one U eighteen games. Eighteen nineteen, had fourteen goals in forty six games during his first WHL season. 19, 20, 20, 21 goals in 42 games in second WHL season. So everywhere he's been going, he's been fine in the back of the net. And again, I know the five foot eight factor is really going to be big and kind of uh, seeing whether or not he can make it. But dude is also fast. I was just, I literally was just bitching about 20 minutes ago about why we can't add more speed to this, uh, the prospect. Well, watching the highlights and looking at him, he, he's a pretty fast dude. And this was a lead prospect scouting reporter on him. Quote, first and foremost, McLennan's a shooter, even if he's not necessarily a high-end finisher, which, okay, that's, that's Jacob, Jake Voracek in the making, baby. So, uh, powerful wrister and one-timer <laughs> make a make him a threat from mid-range, while well-timed net front movement and hand-eye coordination make him a capable net front presence. His high-pressure game deters shots, prevents entries, and wins retrievals. Yeah, so that's the thing. is He's smaller, but he's always flying around the ice. Like, he's a quicker guy. Uh, and if you're gonna make the NHL as a five foot eight guy, you better be fucking quick. Uh, you, you better have be to fucking be quick, or else quick you're and mobile, <laughs> like Johnny. Or else Goudreau. you're dead. 
Yeah, or else you're gonna yeah they're gonna be picking up your body out like off the end boards. So like uh, people are gonna be like physically tossing you into the jumbotron. <laughs> but like again, fucker's got speed. He is fast and he does shoot and he scores. So like I, as far as six round picks go, and really again I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like oh yeah I'll call him Connor McClellan in the sixth round. But looking at this profile here, I like this pick a lot, and I think it was a good six round pick, and I. He feels like a guy that could, if things break the right way, he could be a useful asset uh, in the NHL. So, overall... He's also the latest surviving Highlander, which I I love that about him. (laughs) Also, I was going to say, I believe Scott T on Twitter made the same joke, but uh, or a joke kind of related to it, but uh, maybe one day he'll be the uh, best Connor MC in the NHL that broke his collarbone. So, maybe that we'll see if that comes to light. At some point in time. So that's uh, five picks was the Flyers 2020 draft. I think uh, I'm I'm not always a fan of the trading a couple picks to move up for a guy. And I don't even know. I'm not going to say anything about it. I mean, I like the Zade Wisdom pick mainly just because I, I want to see that guy succeed. The, the, the Norris one, I really don't. That one I did not get at all. I mean, but the thing I've been harping about for years now about trading up picks, too, is a guy. You're annoyed like, with that pick. Yes. Yeah, I, I can't think of another fucking pun. But, yeah, I'm, I'm very annoyed with that pick, Steve. Yeah, but Isaac Ratcliffe got three. Uh, they traded three picks and moved the pick Ratcliffe, and now he seems like a guy that should be scoring goals in the NHL. That may, I don't want to say pretty soon. Maybe not this year, but maybe uh, Maybe the year after that, he could be on the Flyers roster, but uh, but uh, we'll see. I'll consider that. I'll consider that pretty soon, at least by rational standards, not by Flyer fan standards. <laughs> by Flyer yeah. fan standards, he should have been doing it last year, because God forbid a prospect take time to develop. But that's my two cents. Yeah, there you on go. the Absolutely. matter. <laughs> I wish I want to see a little more. Uh, I want to see them get thrown in the fire a little bit earlier. I guess, like I want to see them, like like uh, Joel Farabee. I want to see the Joel Farabee process. A little more often. But, I mean, Joel Farabee was a guy that was kind of clear. I guess I want them to draft players that or figure out something with their pipeline where they're kind of help them be able to progress along quick enough where these guys get drafted and then two seasons later they have a chance of making the league. But I digress. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, Radcliffe, people are, yeah, I gotcha. This uh, this fan base is uh, pretty, pretty nuts sometimes when it comes to prospects, but... I think it's, uh, in sports in general right now, the entire Philadelphia sports scene is just uh, that's insane. Fair. Yeah, like, and also people do go crazy over any draft, too, so that's not really... It's just drafting and also Philly sports, yeah. You combine those two, and it's just... Yeah, man, Philly sports right now is... Uh, yikes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, I'll tell you what, it's not... I, I would call the Philly, cool. sports, Philly sports social media scene right now a wasteland, but that's that's me being generous. <laughs> Uh, but let's not talk about the bad in Philly sports. Let's talk about the good uh, things about the NHL draft outside the Flyers. I picked out a couple here. So uh, Alexa, with Alexis Lafreniere going first overall, it means Emily Castingua. I believe I'm saying that name correct. I'm probably not. It becomes the first uh, female to represent a top pick as a NHL certified agent. Uh, I also wanted to say that I think the Alex Trebek pick in the first round was probably the best thing the NHL draft has ever done. And I think you should just do that for every pick in the NHL draft. So that way, when you make day two 14 hours fucking long when we're doing a virtual draft, we can at least laugh at Alex Trebek every time. But him announcing at Tim Stutzley for the Senators third overall was uh, 
a nice touch. I thought pretty creative. Uh, and then um, oh, Trebek Chris- was fantastic. That was the highlight of the draft right there. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, Crystal Howarchuk, uh, Dale's um, wife, announcing Winnipeg's pick, uh, and then Doug Wilson doing the. They drafted Ozzy Weisblatt. Weisblatt. I'm not quite sure how to say his name, but uh, Ozzy's mother, uh, Kim White, is deaf. So when Doug Wilson announced the pick, they he did the uh, he did uh, announce it in sign language. So he signed it. So um, that was a pretty cool moment for the the Weisblatt family. I thought that was a pretty good way to send off the first uh, the first round. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that stuff. And then uh, the last one was uh, I saw a story. Apparently, I don't know if this is real or not. I don't know if it was a joke, but this was uh, saw this from Ryan Hanna, who was a uh, host of the Winged Wheel podcast, the Red Wings podcast. So there might be some, yeah, whatever. Uh, apparently, Eisman was recounting trading up one spot to pick Braden Point back in 2014, and he uh, said he calls Chuck Fletcher, who's 10 feet away, offers him the next pick plus a seventh. Fletcher turned around and looked at him kind of funny. Eisman shrugged, and then the deal is done, and then the lightning <laughs> take. Like, just, yeah, I, I don't know. Kind of feeling good about this guy, and then it turns out to be Braden fucking Point. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so, like, nothing, like, it's one of those things, like, what, what could Fletcher, like, well, you know, who knows yeah. if, uh, he would have picked point, but just still kind of a, a funny story. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. All right. So the one other thing I wanted to bring up with the draft was, uh, I want to talk about Quentin Byfield real quick. Uh, just the fact that Quentin Byfield, uh, became the highest drafted back black player in NHL history during this draft draft yeah. number two overall. So that's awesome. We were talking about diversity a few minutes ago. This is a huge step for the NHL and something long overdue. So congratulations to Quentin Byfield. That is awesome. Uh, and one of the funny things I saw on social media with this was uh, Magic Johnson had celebrated him and, uh, or not celebrated, he had tweeted about him, uh, congratulating him. And Quentin Byfield had responded back saying, you know, I play some point guard if you need somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to make sure he's a pro athlete somewhere. <laughs> like, hey, you know, if you guys want to play, but yeah. That's a, yeah, I, that is that is worth noting. I was gonna say like I was, I was trying to figure out. I think it was a Vander Kane went fourth in two thousand nine. I think a Vander Kane was the highest um, before, but I don't know. I'll do that right. Yeah, but I mean, Byfield went second to the Kings. That's that's awesome, and yeah, it's funny because as soon as I saw the the Kings come up and they were doing because it was it was pretty much between Byfield or uh, Tim Stutzel, and. Yeah. As soon as I saw the comparison of Byfield to Anze Kopitar, I was like, oh, they're going Byfield. 100%. <laughs> well, I didn't understand. Like, I thought, I knew there was a little talk about Byfield and Stutzley or whatever, but, like, I I thought it was weird. Like, McKenzie put Stutzley second on his power rankings before Byfield, but it seemed like that talk kind of died down months ago, and Byfield was, like, the clear-cut number two, but whatever. Yeah, hopefully, uh, well, I mean, yeah, and he's also on the Kings, so. Who cares if he does well? Like, he doesn't hurt the flyers at all. So, it's, uh, yeah, go nuts. Yeah. But good for him. And hopefully, uh, we'll see. Uh, maybe one day we'll get a first overall. That is, uh, black, but time will tell. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. 
And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, until then, you want to talk about these flyer qualifying offers? It's a hell of a transition. We, we're... we can get, <laughs> You've been dying to talk about these QOs the entire well, time. Because it well, leads let's... to the other thing, Steve, and then we can talk. So, I mean, we got a lot of... I, I will take your qualifying transition, and let's discuss these offers. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So, uh, again, the Flyers offered uh, or extended qualifying offers to uh, Phil Myers, Nolan Patrick, and Mikhail Vorobiev. And again, they extended them. Nobody has accepted accepted them yet, unless uh, they, it happened in the last hour or so while we're doing this podcast. But um, uh, Myers, I don't think Myers is going to sign his. But uh, we were talking a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about uh, cap hit a one point five to two million for a short term deal, and it sounds like maybe four to four point five million on a long term deal seems pretty really realistic for him. Uh, Patrick feels like he might be a guy that just signs his um, qualifying offer because. I mean, he is a he has been playing. He's missed the last eighty-seven games for the Flyers. And I did also see, I saw a tweet about how he was supposed to play in a scrimmage last week. I don't know if he actually did. I couldn't get confirmation on it, but it sounds like he is already might already be kind of getting back out there on the ice and playing outside of just like practices, I guess. So again, can't really give a timeline for anything with Patrick, but we're just hoping for progress and that he. Uh, for him to progress and he feels better along the way. Uh, and then Vorobiev is, uh, he's not, he's not, uh, he's not signing. Uh, this is just so the Flyers can keep his rights. So if he does try to come back to the NHL, I think, uh, the, uh, the, fly, you know, I'm trying to think if the Flyers, yeah, I think the Flyers would have his rights if he comes back to the NHL yeah. now. Yeah. Which so is like exactly he, why they qualified him here. Yeah. So that's, that's what that is. And he, I'll tell you what. He's not going back to the NHL. I mean, if that's what he's doing in the NHL, he'll find a nice comfy spot in the KHL somewhere. So that's uh, that's fine by him. I mean, he just he was he just did not show five points in fourteen games for him, by the way, in the KHL. So yeah, maybe the KHL does kind of suit his game better. But he just could not. I don't know. Like just at the NHL level, I just feel like he just didn't do didn't produce, and I didn't notice him. So uh, yeah. But uh, as we stand right now. Stefan, uh, the Flyers have $8,685,273 in cap space with 11 forwards, not including Patrick, uh, five defensemen, and two goalies locked up. Uh, and that's not including Friedman either, who has a 
if you factor in his cap hit, if you added his cap hit to the total, whatever, the Flyers have $7,960,273 to operate in cap space. Uh, it's also worth noting that AMAX is still in the books for 2020-21. So 2021-22, the Flyers will get nearly $2 million in cap space just because they won't have AMAC on the books anymore. And uh, so this nearly $8 million is what the Flyers have to use going into free agency. And Steve, let's, see, let's uh, transition That's to more free than enough. That's, uh, that is more than enough for Taylor Hall and Alex Petrangelo. <laughs> Both of them. Yeah, just, yeah, absolutely. Lock them up right now. And then I don't know why not get another wing on top of that. So I say go nuts, Chuck. Uh, pick up the phone, go look nuts. alive, let's do your job, and get some shit done. I but haven't heard excuse. the Flyers linked to many free agents. We heard them linked to quite a few trades, whether they were legitimate or not. There was definitely a lot of line A talk this week, but nothing has happened on that front, and I haven't heard anything Who? since uh, before the draft. But as far as free agents go, I haven't heard much. The one guy I did see a little smoke on was Miku Koivu, who was recently released by the Minnesota Wild. Was he released or was he just not renewed over there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, just not renewed. He wasn't bought out. Um, but, oh yeah, I was going to say they have $8 million to work with and looking for... I mean, pretty much, it's... They really don't need a defenseman, technically speaking. I mean, because they still have to... They'll reassign Myers, and then you have Freeman waiting in the wings, too, as well as a six. So, I mean, it's really – I'd still want them to go get one because I don't know how I feel about either Ghost or Braun starting in the top four next year. Uh, but uh, I think it's really third or fourth line C, and like you just said, yeah, uh, looking at the names out there, and we've mentioned a couple of them. Like, we mentioned Johan Larson as a reliable defensive center that isn't going to give you points, but you can sign for cheap and play defensively. And then we talked about Miko Koivu, too, who – it's worth noting that thanks to everything going on now, NHL draft is earlier this week. And Chuck Fletcher didn't get to do anything Minnesota-related. Like, not a one. He didn't get to trade with Minnesota. He didn't get to draft anybody only, from Minnesota or going to Minnesota. The only Minnesota-related thing Chuck Fletcher got to do was see his, his second-best defenseman retire to go home to Minnesota. <laughs> So now he's got to get at the he's got to get the Minnesota back into the pipeline. Like he's been, it's only so often you can fucking listen to Prince and watch Dante Culpepper highlights or whatever the fuck people do in Minnesota. Like you need to start bringing in people from Minnesota. So, uh, I based off of the history and we know that Fletcher does kind of lean towards the little Minnesota flavor. Um, based off that, the Flyers need for a bottom six forward, and we saw. That Fletcher does like going after those reliable, quote unquote, defensive veterans. Which, by the way, Mika Kova would be an actual. You know, Nate Thompson has that bad, or like is kind of loosely regarded as a defensive uh, forward. But then he always spent all the time in the D zone, didn't really help get the puck out. But Mika Kova's underlying numbers and the way he plays is a lot. He actually is a defensive player that just doesn't produce points, especially now at this point in his career. So. um but, you know, for a third, fourth line, that's pretty much what you want. It'd be an upgrade over Nate Thompson, to say the least. No, I, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just for the record, the the smoke that we see there is uh, care of Michael Russo uh, from the wild side. Yes. There, so uh, so he... Now, I made that sound like a blog that he writes that is not... He's from the Athletic. <laughs> not like he's one of the best Michael writers Russo out there. <laughs> link the Flyers to Koivu earlier. Yeah. It so would make that's... a lot of sense. 
yeah, that's the, and I was going to say, that's the big reason, the only reason why I'm like, okay, so maybe, because Michael Russo put out that, like, a big fluff piece on uh, Koivu uh, yesterday, and then Russo, in his tweet, put hashtag Flyers Make Sense, and Russo is not a guy, Russo is one of the most reliable writers out there, and also doesn't like the kind of just throw out loose rumors or there aren't many times Russo throws out something and you're like, Oh, that never came to light. So the fact he is willing to throw out a, a team name like the flyers with Mika Koivu makes me kind of feel like maybe that with the Chuck Fletcher, Minnesota connections and all that shit and the flyers need, I'm thinking maybe this is the guy I'm thinking uh, if they do anything again, we don't, I don't know. Like maybe we want to see what happens with the Myers contract and, and Fletcher doesn't come jumping out immediately and sign something with free agency. And maybe they try and piece together a trade later in the off season. But if they're going to try and fill that need tomorrow, whatever it's like when you listen, whatever, uh, I, I would say Koivu is going to be good back. Cause he probably isn't going to cost a lot either knowing that he's maybe only has one year left. And also everything with the uncertainty going in the next season, he might just be looking for familiarity. Like that could be another thing is, you know, Fletcher knows Koiva and Koiva knows Fletcher. So that could be a thing that you don't have to worry about being responsible and all the stuff with COVID. I don't know. That, that's uh, the loosest. <laughs> that's like the loosest like I can think of for that. But uh, so I think he's a, he's a player I got um for the Flyers that they could actually sign. I got a tweet from Evan Daniels at day 46745 about Lucas Walmart potentially being that guy. And he is a guy I could see filling in the role as well. Um, I, I don't know. Again, he wouldn't cost you a lot of money. Uh, 25 points in 67 games last year. He had 12 goals, averaging 1247 device time. 12 goals and 84 shots, I think is worth mentioning. He shot 14%. So I don't know if you're going to get that every year out of uh, Lucas Walmart. But... He had good numbers with Carolina, and his numbers didn't look that great with the Panthers. So I don't know. He could have been a guy that just his surroundings in Carolina made his underlying numbers look really good because his relative stats weren't that great when he was with Carolina. And then he went to Florida. They kind of took a hit. But he is a guy that can play limited minutes and also produce. Uh, I don't know. don't know if he's on the flyers' radar. Um, and, again, if it came down to a thing of, like, between him and a familiar face like Coyville, I think, knowing what – Fletcher went out and got the deadline. I feel like Koivu would kind of fit that bill more often. But Walmart's a good option. I mean, like, that's a good name to throw out there, Evan. Um, I mean, I would, yeah, that would be a good one. And I talked about Larson, too. Um, Cody Eakins, another name I feel like could be thrown out there as an option to possibly play as, like, a bottom line, a uh, bottom six player. Um, and then uh, another interesting name was a guy that got bought out, and that was Alexander Benberg, who had 22 points, five of which were goals in 57 games last year. Made a ton of money. Like, just got bought out of a terrible deal. Six-year uh, six deal, $4.9 million cap hit. I, I remember making fun of it at the time. It wasn't great. Uh, career high of 13 like, goals. He had a pretty good year, and Columbus was like, we got to lock this motherfucker. We've got to oh. sign this guy up until the day he dies. Yeah, it was it was way too much for Alexander Benberg, and the Flyers aren't going to be paying him that much. And now he's getting paid by a divisional rival, so may as well, you know, turn the knife a little. But career high 13 goals, 59 points in that. Uh, that season that led it to the deal, 2016-17. Again, he is a decent player. And I think Quigley is writing about him, actually, uh, for tomorrow. We'll find out that. But and now I'm going to feel bad if he's not. And <laughs> there's no article. Yeah. But uh, it sounds like uh, he, he would be a guy that might fit the bill for being a um, 
uh, another bottom six center. So there are a couple options out there. I really, it feels like knowing Fletcher has already said he's not going to go out and be like too active in free agency and that trading might be the other route he goes. Um, I don't expect him to be too active, especially not knowing about Meyer's situation. And also you're not going to be, you're not going to be able to get, you're not going to be able to get it for Transhaw or, or even a Krug. I think Krug's a little less expensive, but God, a lot of these guys, I love them. Oh. I love Petrangelo. I love Krug. I love, uh, again, Shannon Kirk was my guy and that, that would fill the role of, uh, filling in the, uh, the near the, the right side. But I think the issue, and I'll, I'll, I think Kirk was the one that pointed out too, is like, this problem is now created a situation where the expansion draft's coming up next year. So if you invest in another guy for a long time, you're going to have to leave one of, you know, you're probably most likely not going to be able to protect three defensemen if we're going based off of the most recent expansion draft. So that's pro Ralph Sandheim and Myers, I feel like. So if you sign another defenseman for more than one year, you're either going to leave that guy exposed and run into the same issue next year, or you're going to have to go four defensemen and then leave more forwards prone up front, which, again, the Flyers might do that, especially if they want to get one of those contracts gone. Uh, but I think that's an inter- interesting factor when it comes to defense and why they may not throw a ton of money at guys like Petrangelo or Krug or like I like Shattenkirk as a, I think he proved he rebounded and can play pretty well uh, with the Lightning after his stint with the Rangers. I think I don't really want Tyson Berry. I don't know. Like he just uh, I feel like his value dropped off quite a bit after the season with the Leafs. Uh, and then other guys out there like. Uh, Sammy Votnin is a guy, too, that maybe, maybe the Flyers look at him. He could be a guy that would fill that role of being on the second pair. I don't know about him being a top player player. Um, and then there's also TJ Brody. Uh, he's probably not. I don't see him going to. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean. I mean, here's the problem, ultimately, for, and this isn't a problem as far as I'm concerned, but as far as other Flyers fans is, are concerned, this is a problem. Uh, the Flyers are actually pretty happy with the makeup of most of the team right now. And yeah. they should be. I, it's a good team. I think they should and be too, yeah. I really, yeah. They don't need to do that many tweaks. They don't need to make that many big splashes. Now, would it be exciting and fun to see them make those big splashes? Absolutely. People want to see them be exciting and fun. They want to go back to the crazy Paul Holmgren days, the Bob Clark days. It's... You know, as much of a, a gear shift as Chuck Fletcher was from Ron Hextall, I don't think you're still getting that. Now, that's not to say a line A trade couldn't happen, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but I wouldn't expect that much difference in the roster between now and the start of the season. I I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's a safe bet. And honestly, I meant to make this point somewhere along the line last month, but Going into the next season with the same roster, to me, is fine. Because I really think, like, when I ask myself if the Flyers did the same exact team from when they lost that game against the Islanders, and if they brought that into 2020-21, would they fare better in the postseason or worse? I think they would fare better. Like, I think the fact that nobody fucking scored in in the bubble, I don't think is something that would happen again next year just because the flyers are built on depth so it, it would take 
the entire lineup not to produce, which is kind of what happened. And I'm not saying it couldn't happen again, but I think when a little more normal circumstances and just the like odds when you're not that it can't happen again. COVID bubble. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. And again, like this is the thing where everybody was dealing with it. It was like, you know, the Flyers are still kind of light on the scoring side. But yeah, exactly. Like that could definitely play a factor into it. And I think looking at the team, like if they carry that same team into the 2021 postseason, I think they would have better results because we saw what Carter Hart can do. If Carter Hart can just get some goals and not have, you know, the poor play of Niskanen or like some kind of stuff on that, or like just whatever happened to, I get like the gaffes that Sandheim and Myers had in the second round. Like that stuff gets cleaned up. I think the Flyers go further. I think they do better. I think they could have reached the Eastern Conference final. So, uh, yeah, I really don't expect an active day from Fletcher unless he does make a move to kind of, I, I like the, the right side is interesting now because I, you're not playing Brown on the top pair. And, uh, I really, like Myers, I love a lot, but I don't know if I put him on the top pair right now and just kind of thrust him in that position because Niskanen went down. I think they need somebody else on the right side. I don't think his name Freeman's is the Mark answer. Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> Freeman is not the answer. Yeah. So I mean, no, do you think you could bump? You could bump Ghost or uh, you know Sandheim up there. It's a possibility. I mean, so it could. That's the what I'm I'm thinking is Ghost on the second pair, but that's gonna piss. A lot of people off which i mean fine whatever fuck them but like i, I ghost and provy were pretty freaking successful a couple years back eh, yeah i mean that might be there, but... oh my god could you imagine oh my could you imagine how upset the hack hitman would be if the ghost went from they i mean they were just celebrating this little victory tour they're like oh my god did you see all those block shots and then like hag's getting all this playing time they went ghost traded yesterday. They're throwing all these Patrick ghosts in a second for line A packages that are totally going to happen. If he just went from being not being able to crack the lineup to top pairing defenseman, man, Twitter would explode. It would be round up I'm, the ghost gang. We're it. going streaking. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for it. It's going to be fucking hilarious. And then you know everything. Oh god, that's going to make next year so unbearable. Because like <laughs> ghost would like bedazzle somebody, get a shot on that, and miss, be like. Ugh. Ghost missing the net again, and then Hag would get burned, and the puck would like hit the boards. And like he's just so good on defense, he just knows what he's doing out there. You know, <laughs> he's just he gets it. Like just misses uh, a block shot and stumbles onto the heart. This guy just knows defense. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens, but I, I don't anticipate much. And as yeah. much as I would love Alex Petrangelo, probably not going to happen. That dude's getting paid, whether it be by the Blues or somebody else. And there's still a chance he goes back to the Blues. Although, friend of the show. Carlo Koliakovo just uh, said on Twitter, there's no deal getting done between the Blues and Alex Petrangelo tonight. So that's it's straight oh, from Carlo. It must be true. Baby! Well, I believe, I mean, I think he's a former, yeah, he's a former Blue. He might know. He, he, he probably has the inside the track here. Yeah, yeah he yeah, might he actually know the inside track. Yeah. You know, maybe, uh, he, maybe he's like Peter Sabota and he's representing Alex Petrangelo. We have no idea. <laughs> but... I, I don't think it's that, but I will say there's been a number of teams that have been clearing the cap space to try and get either Petrangelo or Taylor Hall, who are your two big free agents. And we've seen, so Columbus cleared out a bunch of cap space. Nashville cleared out a bunch of cap space in hilarious fashion because Nashville bought out Kyle Torres and oh, they're going to have to pay for him. 
with cap hits for eight years. Yeah, that's that's kind of fucking banana. Oh, well, I mean, if we're talking buyouts, that one's pretty good. And then, uh, I mean, we've got a RIPD to Jack Johnson being a Penguin. I mean, it was a good run. Uh, we got a lot of yucks in there. Uh, and we realized that the Penguins window is closing, but uh, it is over now. Uh, he has... <laughs> He had three more years left at uh, $3.25 million each year on the deal. So for the Penguins, uh, they're going to be paying that over the next four seasons. Uh, not nearly as long yeah. as Terrors, but still four more years. Uh, and again, you know, Crosby and Malkin years. might four be returning. Oh, okay, let's, okay, let's. That's the only, <laughs> you know, that's the only four more years I am willing to chant right now because I don't want the other four more years in <laughs> any way, shape, or form. I want to make this very much known. Go yeah. register to vote if you have not already. Get out there and vote. My God, I can't take any more. All right, that's enough of that. Getting back yeah, to free fine. agency. I, so uh, the, Penguins, the Penguins aren't signing shit, though, except for me. I thought they were going to sign Braun to a stupid contract. They did not. Uh, they bought out Jack Johnson, and they traded away uh, their boy Murray. Yeah, yeah, traded Murray to, uh, let's go here. Down there. Yeah, Murray Ottawa to Ottawa for a for John Jonathan Gruden in a 2020 second. Yeah, this is right. We're going to talk about Oh, this guy John Gruden. We're going to talk about the knows the game. This guy John <laughs> Gruden knows mask fines from the NFL, knows it all. Goddamn. I hope John he, Gruden I hope he just looks been... just like John Madden. Like he just John... has that snarl that John or John Gruden I mean. Like he just has that snarl that John Gruden has just like skates around the ice with it. Just trying John to score Gruden... looking pissed the whole time. Looking John like Gruden has already been fined like the like a minor league NHL's entire collective salary for not wearing his mask no. properly this year already. <laughs> I saw, yeah, I saw he got fined the one week. Did he get fined again? I believe so. Yeah, a couple times. Oh, man. And the Raiders just keep racking up the fines. It's great, yeah, great initial season in Vegas for those guys. <laughs> uh, Matt Murray to Ottawa for Jonathan Gruden in the twenty twenty second, which they used on Joel Blomquist. Gruden, by the way, uh, 20-year-old left winger, 2018 fourth-round pick, uh, had 30 goals and 66 points in 59 games for the London Knights in the OHL in 2019-20. Let's talk about this fucking Penguins draft, because I am eating it up. Uh, Blomquist, a goalie. That's what you need to know about him. He's a goalie. And let's recap the the Penguins' first three rounds of draft action this year. Uh, they didn't have a first-round pick to trade away for Kasperi Kapanen. Second-round pick to take Blomquist, a goalie. Third round, they take Callie Klang. A little fun fact about hockey, which I think we're going to find out with the Canadians since they have Carey Price and Jake Allen now. You can only play one goalie at a time. You only got one of those puppies. So even if both these guys hit, you have a goalie and then a backup goalie. That's called, I, I just like it. I like it. Your first two picks, you're three rounds into the draft, and all you have are two goalies to show for it. And your team missed the playoffs, and Sidney Crosby and Malkin are both Getting older by the second, by the way. There's no, you can't go back in time. We don't have a time machine yet. Like all that crazy stuff is not available. Not yet. We're working on it. Uh, we're not working on it. Uh, smarter people are. But like, again, the Penguins are just, I mean, the only thing, and I mentioned this earlier, like the only thing I'm paranoid now is Jim Rutherford is going to do so fucking bad at his job the next two years and tear this team down. And the Penguins are going to be one of the worst teams in the league the year that Shane Wright is up for it. And they're going to win the lottery. And then we're at the watch like this bullshit passing of the torch where it was Lemieux and Crosby playing together and everybody was smiling and they were all eating snacks together. Like that. And then it's going to transition into Crosby and Malkin just laughing their asses off with Shane Wright. Just like, you know, 
goofing around and hanging out with them, and then Shane Wright's going to tear apart the league for like a decade and a half. So right now, that is what I'm worried about. That's what I. It's not what I'm worried about. I thought of it, and I'm like, I wonder if Jim Rutherford. That's too galaxy brand for him now. Like that would be no. He's doing everything he can to try and win now. And, and it's just he's, just, he's absolutely futile. He's just bad at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, like he's, again, he's like, he's good at the initial part of the job. And then he just goes off the rate. Ra- he's lived long enough to see himself the vi- the villain. Yeah, that's right. That's true. That's He is when... Two-Face now. So congratulations to Two-Face, J-R-J-R. <laughs> and then, uh, well, then who's the Joker walking out of the hospital? Would it be? Well, it's no, not Malkin. Not. He's too ugly for it. Yeah, but I mean, Malkin's pretty. I mean, again, they're getting. Who's the Joker walking out of the hospital? You figure well, that. I guess out. that's and Phil also... Kessel. Oh, oh shit! Yeah, it could be actually. Yeah, since uh, Phil Kessel eating got a hot dog right for everything. <laughs> Just... <laughs> oh, that's right. That's... I don't know why. You know, I got these hot dogs. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that whole like sorry. Just this story of like. Just like that, that became a story. And Steve Simmons was like, look at this fucking guy eating hot dogs in his free time, and he wants to play hockey. And then the next, like the next few years, he wins Stanley Cups. I'll just never, never get over that transition. It's just oh, absolutely. The funniest fucking thing. Yeah. You know, that's my least favorite ping on the SB Nation slacks is when I get Steve for Steve Simmons. I just, oh god, yeah. I want to scream every time that happens. I see Steve, I click on it. It's Steve Simmons, and I go, motherfucker. Well, I mean, thank God I was in the Slack on draft night because it was just a lot of why is craig yelling at me so and i got all those pings and i was like well i'm not i'm not saying anything but craig Bru- <laughs> having craig is funny for craig ruby and craig button so it's it's a lot of fun uh in there but uh yeah, there's also a guy named greg and you're often referred to as greg on there as well i'm referred to a lot of things that's like I, all I'm misspelling say craig not not like you know uh perfect land or anything well, it's not the bsh land, so, slack yeah. is a terrifying place friends <laughs> don't go there but I didn't get back Jack Johnson buyout real quick. Penguins are paying uh, $1,166,666 in dead cap for the next two seasons. In 2022-23, it's $1,916,667. And then in 2023-24 through 2025-26, they're paying $916,667. So for the next, for the foreseeable future, the uh, Penguins are paying uh nearly a million or more for Jack Johnson and he's just been bad and they are they're gonna pay him to be bad for another team is what they're doing which uh you know it's good work if you can get it uh, I haven't figured out how to do that yet I mean well besides here I mean I'm doing pretty well BSH with that uh charade but I mean nowhere else is really be giving it up but uh you know a little bit more time we'll get there so I did want to also uh looking at this isn't related uh, to this year's free agency, but I did see a video of Connor McDavid uh, talking about his playing style and how he kind of uh, emulated uh, Claude Drew. Feels like he plays a little bit like Claude yeah. Drew and watched Claude Drew growing up. So uh, Chuck Fletcher, just make sure you got all that cast space available in 2026 when uh, my guy gets free and uh, let's bring him home. All right. Let's, uh, you know, <laughs> we didn't get JT, but let's, uh, let's bring Connor McDavid home. All right. So there you go. There you go. So I wanted to talk about the latest with, you know, teams clearing out cap space. Uh, Petrangelo is, I mean, I th- I still think he's going back to the Blues. I don't know for sure, but apparently... Seems like a lot of, yeah. Uh, Pierre Lebrun confirmed because he did not sign tonight by the deadline, uh, he cannot get an eighth year 
uh, on his contract, so he can get a max of seven years. Okay. Uh, one of the teams I have seen Petrangelo linked to quite a bit is the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas Golden Knights seem they they literally don't have cap space right they now. don't they have any cap space <laughs> zero cap space but i've seen them linked to him because they are one are of those the rams states of where you don't have income yeah. tax and all that bullshit they are the rams of hockey it's infuriating uh they are working on a trade right now uh to try and ship they're trying good, to ship yeah. paul stasny to the winnipeg jets right now to clear out some cap space. That's not going to be enough to sign Petrangelo because Petrangelo is probably going to want eight, nine, ten, maybe eleven million. Like he's going to get paid. Uh, he's sure. not going to get eleven million. I don't know about that. I'm just throwing numbers out there, my friend. I don't. Probably not, but you know. Yeah, he's going to make. He's going to make a pretty. Yeah, he's going to make a pretty. He's going to make a pretty good. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's going to make some big uh, lawyers. What is? What other trades are you seeing? But. Well, Sasney's the main one I'm seeing right now. It's uh, yeah. six point five million they can clear out uh, if they get uh, Stasny <laughs> off the books. Imagine clearing that and being like, "All right, we got to do one more move to get the guy." We one want. more move. <laughs> yeah, that's just. Well, they, uh... they're also they've been trying to trade Flurry, but I don't know if there's any takers for Mark Andre right, right now because the goalie market is completely saturated. Oh, it's bananas! Yeah, and we're not going to talk about it whatsoever because the Flyers are a okay, but there are. There's a bunch of names out there, and again, Corey Crawford and Corey Schneider. I mean, if this like if this is the 2017 free agency, good lord, like those would be two big free names uh, or free agent names out there. But uh, you know, 2020 not as much. Uh, but there are still just a lot of nets or options in net. So yeah, like if they, that's probably where they're going to get held up. Is ain't nobody going to trade for Flurry right now? They're going to wait to see if they can get somebody. They might get traded. He might get traded tomorrow, like later in the day, after a bunch of goalies go, and then teams are like, "Fuck!" But I, yeah, uh, actually, let me pull up. I want to see what other who else they got there. Um, well, while you're pulling that trade, up, yeah. so that's where Petrangelo has mainly been linked. Taylor Hall has basically already declared he's not going back to the Coyotes. I've seen some sources yeah. linking him to maybe going back to Edmonton, but that that's going to be rough with the cap right there. Uh, yeah. The more likely suitors right now, it really seems to be coming down to a race between the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Nashville Predators for all the space they've been clearing out. So Nashville's sitting there with 17,667,190 in projected cap space. Uh, Columbus, 14,208,300. 33,000. So really two main suitors for Taylor Hall. And if I was him, I'd be going to Nashville all day, even with that Kyle Turris buyout, which is bonkers in my opinion. But I mean, it's Columbus, right? Who wants to go to Columbus? No, I, yeah, I was going to say that was the point that I think Mike made up or uh, put up in the slack was like, uh, he, he doesn't feel comfortable living in Phoenix. So he's going to voluntarily move to Columbus, Ohio. Like, I don't know. That doesn't feel like a Nashville a city stuff that to do. Jeff yeah. Carter pouted his way out of. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Jeff Carter I mean, was there for like two months. And was like, no, I'm good. I'm I, Just send me anywhere. Yeah, just, send yeah, me to LA, just, please. All Jeff Carter did in uh, Columbus was just give puppy dog eyes in the bottom with everybody and saying, I have to do this. And like, and then eventually like, all right, we'll, we'll get you out of here, buddy. You don't have to play hockey here. We know it's Ohio. But uh, yeah, that's uh, looking at Vegas. Alec Martinez, one more year at four million. I think would be another one they might try and move. Uh, and I mean, I don't know. 
Like, like that, they really, like, some of these other players, I just don't really know. Like, Alex Tuck makes a, I like Alex Tuck. Uh, that's like the one, one name I'm looking at. Like, none of these names I really want to nest. Maybe William Carlson out of all, all the names. But like, Stassen does make the most sense. Yeah. Third highest paid forward would be, uh, pretty old. Uh, <laughs> but like, Carlson, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marsh, so I don't see them really going anywhere either. But And that Stasny news comes via Scott Billick, who is a NHL Jets beat writer, so he's a Winnipeg Jets beat writer. Okay, so yeah, there you go. Uh, speaking of possible trades, or future trades, or everything, uh, let's talk about uh, notable all-season trades. I think we missed, I missed this one last week on the outline, uh, or maybe mentioned it in passing, but Mark Stahl in a 2021 second to Detroit. With future considerations for the Rangers, so that's uh, again the Rangers are just willing to get rid of Mark Stahl because he is now uh, or he has been pretty bad at hockey. Uh, Brandon Peary to the Blackhawks with Dylan Sakura going to the Golden Knights. Uh, Peary, I mean, like Brandon Peary was like one of those guys that advanced stats people wanted like five or six years ago, and then he just kind of uh, yeah. But thirty-five points, thirty-eight AHL games, two assists in sixteen NHL games last season. Sakura. I, like I kept seeing Sakura was like one of their better the Blackhawks better prospects for a while, and then I guess he's just kind of like floundered in the NHL or the pro ranks for a while the last couple seasons. Thirty three points in 45 AHL games, three points in nine NHL games in twenty nineteen twenty. Uh, Joshua Brown, the defenseman to the Ottawa Senators, with the twenty twenty fourth going back to the Panthers. Brown's twenty six years old, uh, right hand shot had eight points in fifty six games last season. Ali Mata, who. You, you want to have fun? See, if you look at the top of the 2012 draft, because <laughs> I think LeBron <laughs> shared it. And, like, I think it was three players. No, five of the top 15 picks are still on the same team now after the Ryan Murray trade to the Devils, uh, which for a fifth. So there you go. Uh, Ryan Murray to the Devils with the 2021 fifth going back to the uh, um, the Blue Jackets. So, But, I'll, I'll, like, five of the top 15 picks are still with their team. And, like, one of those picks was... Braddock Fasca, um, another one was Emgis Gergesen. So it's just like guys that it doesn't mean the draft was good. It just means they're still with the team somehow. So it was, it was just not a good time. But uh, Ali Mata to the Kings for Brad Morrison. Who's Brad Morrison? Well, he had 19 points in 17 games last year for the Fort Wayne Comets in the ECHL. So, yeah, that's the value of Ali Mata right now getting a guy two leagues below the NHL. So good job, Ali Mata. I wish you'd stay in Pittsburgh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Sharks and Wild decided to make two different trades because, you know, why Why be boring? Uh, Ryan Donato to the Sharks for a 2021 third. Donato had 14 goals playing under 11 minutes last season. Donato's one of those guys. I feel like he's kind of like a – I feel like Frank Petrano is one of those guys too that just kind of – it feels like he just kind of scores goals. But that might just be Donato had a big year last year. Uh, I don't know – I don't know what the Sharks are doing. Because also Devin Do Dubnik in a 2022nd for, or a 2022nd seventh for a 2022nd fifth uh, is kind of weird. Like, getting Devin Dubnik, I don't know if the answer to Martin Jones in that is Devin Dubnik uh, sharing time with him. But that's, you know, I'm not, whatever. I'm not Doug Wilson. Uh, You're no hockey expert. You don't know. No, I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about at all. Also, Minnesota it's a weird is eating. It's a weird trade. He did, they get it for cheap. Minnesota eating 2.16 of uh, Dubnik's 4.33 mil cap hit for the last uh, year of his deal. UFA in 2021. So, again, low cost. It's just like, and I guess Dubnik is fine. I, like, he's fine, but again, 
they made this trade like a couple days ago. Motherfuckers, you got the whole like. There's so many goals. There's gonna be too many goals. There's gonna be too many cooks on the free agency list. You don't need to give up tangible assets when you can just go and sign another one. It's not like Devin Dubnik's skill set is so unique that you had to have the Devin Dubnik. There's a fucking bunch of Devin Dubniks out there. Especially when there's like eight stellar free agent goalies. <laughs> eight not stellar, options. but like yeah, eight as reliable good options. options. Yeah. Like it's a fucking, somebody's somebody might get Holtby for cheap, and he could surprise you for all you know. You know, like <laughs> actually, you know what else? I'm gonna since I have the, uh, I just have the, uh, I'm gonna look at Bill Guerin's trades because his trades have been like he is just somebody. I think somebody told him like two days into being a GM that he can make trades, and he's like, whoa, I can do that now, and he just has gone fucking like nuts. He's made, let's see, uh, one, two, three, four, five six seven deals since september 11th so seven deals in about a month guys just fucking he's just living on the phone i love it i love this i just and like some of them have been fine like some of them make sense i don't know about the eric stall one again gave eric stall to buffalo for marcus johansson i don't know how i feel about that one uh but a couple of the other ones make make sense i don't know um and they he had the nick bonita deal nick bonino uh, and a 2022nd round pick, which became uh, Marat Kuznodinov. And then a 2023rd round pick, which is Emil Vero. Uh, they went to Minnesota and Garen gave Luke Kunin and a 2024th to the Predators, which became Adam Willsby, who I don't... I, that's one of those names I didn't hear before the draft. But like that, I don't know, that deal kind of feels fine for right now. Benino is a lot older, um, but he's also better than Kunin right now. At least it felt like he was doing fine last year. Benito, or at least in terms of driving play. Benino doesn't really produce that much. Uh, he's only broken 20 goals. Or he hasn't broken 20 goals since 2013-14. And he's never had 50 points in a year. Final year of a 4.1 million deal. Uh, mill deal. Uh, 32 years old and also a 22-year-old who had 15 goals and 31 points in 63 games last year from Minnesota. Not as great underlying numbers. It does clear up a lot of cap space for uh, the... Um, for the wild, though, or no, I'm sorry, for the for the predators, I'm pretty sure that's why they may have done it because uh, it gives them a little bit more four million dollars in cap space, which is what you were alluding to, with uh, being in on haul and everything. So uh, going back to, I mean, there were a bunch of trades. This is the last big one I think of note. Uh, yeah, the, the biggest one note was uh, Max Domi going to the Blue Jackets. Um, and again, also the deal, Max Domi and a 2023rd, which became Samuel Nasco, who is a Check left hand B man playing in Finland's junior league right now. Uh, uh, traded to the Blue Jackets in exchange for Josh Anderson uh, going back to the uh, the Canadians. So I kind of kind of like this deal for the Blue Jackets. I feel like Max Domi's playing style fits pretty well with the Blue Jackets. He's kind of a smaller forward that he's annoying as shit and he can yeah and i feel like he would fit like i feel like tortorella can utilize him in that system that they use and he'll be annoying as fuck and get like 15 to 20 goals will piss me off so like that trade that end of the trade i get and also they got a pick out of it and also josh anderson again i've been talking about being skeptical of like josh anderson and his future he had four points one of which was a goal in 26 games last year he had a shoulder injury had shoulder surgery the whole thing if he overcomes that it can be useful for the Canadians, he was an RFA, signed a deal with the uh, 
Mark Vergeman gave him a deal, and it was for where is it now? It was for a gajillion dollars. Yeah, uh, seven years, five point five million cap hit a year, and he's already twenty six, and he's coming off major shoulder surgery. So you don't even know if the shoulder surgery is going to be fine from here on out. And Mark Bergevin was like, yeah, we got to lock this guy out for nearly a decade. Let's do it. Bring him in. We got to Pick him right. up. And 5.5. So, like, the, I guess the gamble was there. And, again, I liked – I, I would have been I, – I was a big fan of Anderson. I, I still like Anderson. But, like, the injury just kind of concerned me because he was out for a while. And, again, he had one goal in 26 games. So, it's not like he – but he's had some – productive seasons and he is a guy that can be like a Tom Wilson light where he's gonna you're gonna notice him for being annoying but also because he is providing chances for the team playing against so like he could have been that guy maybe I think that was kind of the theme of the Canadians draft based off of some of the guys they took too was just be annoying as shit and playing them in the playoffs as we saw was already kind of annoying just because their speed and the, their suffocating style of play but you know, I guess also it's kind of funny to say that and then also trade away Max Delmi, who, I don't know. Tom Wilson Light. Terrible taste. Less filling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a surprise nobody bought his Josh Hirsch off the shelves. It's just the worst idea ever. So. The, but the he... only thing that, the only comment I have on this trade is that I was just cracking up the fact that Max Domi was like completely shocked that he was traded. He was like, oh yeah, I couldn't believe it. Like, buddy. <laughs> You're Max Domi. Yeah, he could. Uh, yeah, he was. They, they were. They were talking about him possibly. Uh, yeah, whatever. He should have been ready for that. I mean, they, his name was. Um, he did end up signing a deal. Yeah, because it was the end of his deal too. So I ended up signing a deal with the uh, Blue Jackets two-year deal with a five-point-three million cap hit. So that might be a little. Uh, be, might be a little Richard Domi there. I am out. But it, again, maybe he just needs to change the scenery and he becomes a twenty-goal guy. Um, and maybe Josh Anderson needs that too. And again, I it's a ball it's a ballsy bet by Bergevin. And it could pan out, but I'm just glad the Flyers aren't the ones making that bet. I have a feeling it could become like a Clarkson type deal, honestly. Uh we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We shall see. A lot of time invested to do that, you know, doesn't you ever had a major shoulder injury. Some of the other minor trades real quick before we uh, move on. Leah Anderson uh, traded to the Kings uh, for a 2022nd, which the Rangers used on Will Coley. Coley, I think is how you say his name. But Leah Anderson project in New York is done. Again, the Coyotes still have Stepan and Auntie Ronto. The Rangers have Anthony D'Angelo out of that deal. Uh, so Marcus Nudavara to the Panthers. Uh, and our favorite prospect, prospect of, of Fly Purple, Cliff Pooh going back. To the Blue Jackets. So, again, Cliff Poo is our favorite Ooh. player slash prospect because, uh, well, his last name is Poop. And also, he won 69th overall in 2016 to the Buffalo Sabres. So, he's got the sex number and he's got Poop covered. So, I mean, really, at that point, we need to know that, like, his favorite musician is Stained or that, like, Guy Fieri is his favorite, like, celebrity. And we, that we're, we're going to get him on the show. <laughs> so, that uh, Eric Branson to Ottawa with a 20 or. Er, yeah, Eric Branson to Ottawa, while Anaheim gets a 2021 fifth. Uh, I don't know what Ottawa's doing, uh, mainly just because, yeah, we're about to see. I mean, like, they also didn't bring back Anthony DeClaire, which is a guy. That one was a head-scratcher to me. Now, Anthony DeClaire. Like, why why not at least try to find a trade for him if you don't want to spend the money? Like, somebody will trade for him. Yeah, I and I think, like, I wish, again, I really don't think the Flyers are going to do much in, in free agency. 
But if they were to take swings at some guys, I bitching about, you know, offensive depth and like speed, I would like Anthony Duclair or Vinny Henestrosa. And um, Anthony Duclair, I mean, he's been on five different teams since 2014-15. He has two 20-goal seasons and a 19-goal season in 2018-19. Left winger, he's left-handed. He can fly. Uh, he made $1.65 million last year. So I don't know if he'd really be looking for a lot. And also the image of him not being, you know, pretty much being let go or not re-up by the Senators makes it seem like there's something wrong with him. I really he, – he's fast and he scores goals. I – would like to get that guy on the Flyers. Henestrosa doesn't produce as much speed. I mean, he doesn't produce as much, but he's still very, very quick, and he would be slotted for the bottom six, and he's only made 1.5 mil over the last two years, uh, or a 1.5 mil cap hit in each of the last two seasons. So these guys, it was these guys that I, I think if I believe Fletcher is going to go nuts in free agency, I would hope that he would sign one of these two guys. But he, based on the cap space and knowing the Meyer situation and seeing that there's probably a bigger need just to get as of that center depth, I think uh, I, I'm not looking at him to sign either of these guys. I mean, Henestros is a center, and, but I feel like the likelihood of Fletcher's either signing Koivu, you know, the Minnesota Tide, over a guy like Henestros, who is just like go by the Coyotes, I feel like he's probably going to lean on the guy he knows more than Henestros. Just get me Koivu and Duclair, and I'm very happy. But it's more likely Koivu and Tyler Pitlick coming back on the cheap, hopefully, if at all. Look, if Tyler Pitlick takes a... Well, I mean, I feel like Pitlick played enough to get a boost in pay, but I don't know what the boost is. Like, I forget... I already forget what the evolving wild projection was, but I was like, no, thank you. So I don't know if he's willing to come back for just a little bit more. And the Flyers gave him, like, one one more one-year deal, and then... They like promise to pay him more if he comes back and they have cap space where he just walks next year. I think that might be uh, what happens. But also, I forgot scrolling up, Steve. We've got two major talking points here that we're going to talk about. Actually, three if we want to get into it. So oh let's start God. with. Hold on. I, I, I just can't believe we have that much that we. Major talking points we haven't oh. touched for almost two hours. <laughs> Are you really? Oh, yes. my God. Okay. It's very late. Lundquist. Might be going to the Caps. The only reason why I'm bringing that up is because Ryan Mead tweeted out this segment from uh, his book, or a book that, uh, Sean Avery's book, where he mentioned Hank, and this was the quote about Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, quote, Glenn doesn't call Hank before he makes a move. Uh, but he and everyone else in the organization knows that know my relationship with the star goalie is strong. We both have a love of fashion, and we initially bonded over that. We play the game at the same level of intensity and we respect that in each other. We were also the only Rangers who had their names chanted at the Garden. Okay, Sean. And I admired the fact <laughs> that he was the most well-endowed teammate that I had ever seen by a considerable margin. Oh, so not my. only does Henrik Lundqvist dominate his profession and looks like that, he's also packing. So, you know, like, fuck Henrik Lundqvist. It's like, is what I'm getting at. Like, just got Holy it. shit, got that everything. is... That's yeah. the most sexual thing that's ever been read on Flyperbole. I I think it is, and thank you, Sean Avery. I mean, also, it's weird. Like, uh, look, if a guy's packing, congrats. Like, if he's got he's got a, a python down there, wonderful. But what I'm saying is, is like, I'm not like when I see the old guy at the gym and he might be loaded. I'm not like, man, that's admirable. I'm that's that that motivates me to go out and do more things. It's just like a weird. I don't know. It's just like a weird statement to make about. Well, Craig, on the but you know counterpoint here, the old guy at the gym doesn't look like Henrik Lundqvist. 
God, I wish he did. You know what I mean? Because that would be, I'd be going to the gym three times. I know. That man is beautiful. When the old guys at the gym just feel like letting it all hang out there, I am just staring down, what looking age? away uncomfortably. Oh, I, yeah. No, I, I, I want to make it's it a clear. Bad situ- One of the things I do not miss about society being open. It's just, I don't, <laughs> I just, at what point, like what age or like what life event are you like, you know what? I'm just gonna. I'm hanging brain in front of all these guys, right? Like I'm just whipping it out there. I just. I don't know. Like I believe it's sixty-two, sixty-three. Whenever you retire, that sounds like a good bet. That's when your shame just goes right on out the window. Because like it's just like every time you walk in the locker room, there's just some fucking dude with white hair that's like, "This is it. This is me." You like what you say? I'm I'm like, I'm not looking at you at all, buddy. So, uh, so that uh, we don't need to talk about. No, we'll talk about Patrick Moran. That was the only. So, we do need to talk about Patrick Maroon. We, and then we'll move because on to the goofy stuff. Yeah. I, I, okay, so the Lightning won the Cup since last we spoke. and <laughs> No, the, I think the Lightning had won when we last. Oh, we talked about it last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the Lightning won, and then they, they had what in theory should have been the perfect COVID Cup celebration, a boat parade. But instead, these motherfuckers... Go out there, and I've used that word a bunch in this one, and I'm sorry, not sorry for that. But they have gone out, and they just were like, who wants to drink out of the cup? Who wants some COVID from the cup? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. They were just going hog wild, and it was terrible. But that said, Patrick Maroon has somehow turned into this just ridiculous human being over the course of like... (laughs) I saw a picture yeah, from yeah. when he won the cup last year to when he won the cup this year. Number one, back-to-back cups for Patrick Maroon is just insane to me. But yeah. he he went full, like, balls to the wall, wearing this, like, white fedora, like a, a sheer tank top or, like, like really I think he was shirtless. I, he, he was shirtless, I, maybe. But he's like, he had, like, on the big like rig. Or something. Yeah, like, he's like, I'm the big rig. One back-to-back cups, like, what the hell? He's wearing sunglasses, a fedora, and just, like, he turned into Florida Stanley. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, he really went, like, it was one year of, like, last year just like a normal dude, and then he had one year of Florida in him. And he was like, fuck it, I'm doing it up. I'm looking like this now. I look like I, I run a swamp, like I run a swamp business down there. And I'm really, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm all, uh, this is me right here. This is Florida. So, uh. Also, the Lightning are the cause for why he's back-to-back champions. They should have won last year, and then the, he won with the Blues, who, like, the Lightning should have won that cup, and then he joins the Lightning, who end up winning this year because they were pissed off about last year. Anyway. All him. We, yeah, all him. Uh, we have a, <laughs> we have a, a story for, about Patrick Maroon, though, and this comes from the Cam and Strickpot, uh, which is Cam Janssen and Andy Strickland, the beat writer for the Blues, I believe, for the Athletic. They had Kelly Chase on, the former NHL enforcer, played many years for the Blues. Uh, talked about how uh, he pretty much was like the one that kind of brought Patrick Maroon up. It was the one that kind of wanted gave him a chance. Wanted the like he was the one that was talking talking him up to people in the league for a while. And he called Holmgren before the 2007 draft and told him that they needed to take Maroon. And then Holmgren was like, "Oh, he's actually on our list." And he was like, "I'm I'm telling you, Homer, take this guy." Flyers ended up taking him. 161st overall in the sixth round. Uh, and then Maroon and Greg Gilbert clash because Maroon was late to practice one day. And Gilbert laid into him. And then uh, Chase had gotten word that uh, 
like the franchise wasn't happy with him for not like showing up late to practice and that like Gilbert was mad at him and all this stuff. So then uh, Kelly Chase reached out to him and asked Maroon what was going on. Maroon said that he was late to practice because he had taken up uh, power skating, had taken skating lessons, was starting to take skating lessons before practice, and he got caught in traffic on the way from skating lessons to practice. And then he told Kelly Chase that he was also paying for his own skating lessons. And then Holmgren didn't know that Maroon was paying for his own skating lessons as an AHL player. And he was like, well, what the fuck is this? And then it became a whole thing that led to, like, Greg Gilbert getting fired. And then Maroon just sporadically getting uh, traded, like, a couple days later in 2010. And then also just, like, that whole mess of a... We never really got a concrete reason on what the hell happened there. And this sounds like Kelly Chase at least gave us an idea here. Yeah, at least there's a framework here because, like, and also it's really man, never ever clarified on by the franchise. And like Tim McMahon is used to do, uh, he used to be the beat writer for the Phantoms, and I remember like those Phantom teams were bad, and they were poorly run. Like they were just like I remember at one point I think McManus got like just uh, the quiet treatment from players because of like his reporting, and like the team was just pissed about like how he was reporting the team. He's like, I'm not the one. Like you guys should. There's a lot of shit going on with you guys. Like I'm just telling what's going <laughs> on here. So like it, was, it became a whole thing now. Uh, but that was that story. Uh, and then uh, I mean Justin Williams also retired, but we don't we don't need to talk about that. We, I we mean Justin major. Williams is like one of the ultimate flyers. Should have kept right there. He had a great career. absolutely. Yeah, 797 points in 1,264 games over 19 seasons with the Flyers, Hurricanes, Kings, Caps. 28th overall pick in uh, 2000 for the Flyers, so one of the best Flyers picks ever, too. Three Cups, one with Carolina in 06, two with the Kings in 12 and 14, also on the Conn Smythe in 2014 with the Kings. Two 30-goal seasons, five other 20-goal seasons, broke 70 points once, which is just funny to me, but he was a pretty damn good goal scorer. And also... When he was 23 years old on January 20th, 2007, Bobby Clark traded him for Danny Markoff, who played 34 games for Philadelphia. So there you go. Just imagine the timelines of Justin Williams and Patrick Sharp on the team. And uh, check that. You don't want to because nobody does. Nobody wants to think about that. Uh, and see, we're going to pass over this one dig around topic because we've got three to still talk about. And uh, the main one, well, it's not really a dig around topic, but. Uh, the passing of Eddie Van Halen. I thought we should oh talk about God. that because I, I just as a a rock fan, as a music fan, it's just awful, awful news. Eddie Van Halen, just one of the the great guitarists, especially of the nineteen late seventies, early eighties, just amazing. That first Van Halen album just shreds. It's amazing. Uh, and I also just wanted to comment on the fact that Eddie Van Halen, like I, I think of, I've thought of Van Halen and associated them with the Flyers for a long time because the yeah. Flyers used to use Van Halen as the, yeah, ain't talking the about love. Song. yeah, ain't talking about love. One of the, the great song. Oh, what a kick-ass song ain't talking about love is. And it was a awesome goal song The Hey, Hey, Hey. Was yeah. That, honestly, I'm not gonna lie. That's so good. My favorite one. Yeah. It's my favorite one. I think they should just bring it back. We were bring the right back. age for that. Be, like that was i think that may have been our favorite because of where we were in our lives with the like being well, and shit and the team was good <laughs> it's my favorite for that reason but it's also just a, a song that slaps. i friggin love it slaps it absolutely that's the kids say it's a bop as i believe it's a killer game. song man it's awesome like i i i don't really appreciate a lot of the music like it's just not my my type of music a lot of the music that the flyers use for goal songs and that is that's a hundred percent my wheelhouse. So yeah, 
it's it, between that and Brohim, like those are my two favorite ones they've used. And Brohim's uh, I, probably more of a duck song, but I, I you know, also I, kick yeah. skull song. I still think of it. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think my favorite Van Halen song that he's pretty good on that I don't really hear about is uh, "Everybody Wants Some." Is that as big as I? Like I know it wasn't better off dead, but like um, I don't think I. Um, it's a like, big I song. Never hear it's anybody. not. It is. It's yeah, not. I, it's not one of their biggest, though, right? You don't hear jumps probably their biggest, and jumps not even like a top five for me. Yeah, I. I mean, I do. I like. Uh, there are a couple of that. Don't get me like, wrong. I enjoy home. some jumps sometimes, but it's not. Yeah. It's not a top five Van Halen song for me. I got you. Oh, was it? Uh, God, I do have a deep cut Van Halen song. I like. I already forget what it is, but that's. Uh, I just wanted to talk about the. There were two excerpts. I mean, I don't know if we. Should, you want to talk about the Eddie Van Halen, Limpi- or Fred Durst story again, or do you think that's not appropriate at this time? I mean, I think, I think it was we one can of the talk. No, fucking we can. Stories. We can talk about that because it was friggin' hilarious. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Eddie Van Halen is he's somebody who would enjoy these stories being told about him and. In this kind of stuff like he's not somebody that's not disrespecting him by discussing that yeah and also you know you're about to see what happens when you disrespect or when you disrespect Eddie Van Halen so uh, this is we talked about the story months ago because it was fucking hilarious and it's now with the unfortunate passing I was going to bring it up again but uh, apparently Eddie Van Halen and uh, Fred Durst had collaborated on God knows what. I mean, I forget what he was doing for Limp Bizkit, but uh, the story goes, and I got this off Twitter, so. Uh, Eddie did indeed go on to jam with Limp Bizkit at a house in Beverly Hills, but abruptly split the session after people there began smoking pot, leaving his guitar and amp behind. Bennett recounted uh, Eddie saying the experience was like being a scholar amongst kindergartners, which all things considered, yeah, kind of makes sense. Uh, things went even further south when Eddie tried contacting Durst the next day to retrieve his gear and received no reply. Eddie once bought an assault rifle or assault vehicle from a military auction, Bennett writes, via Ultimate Classic Rock. It has a shine gun mount on the back and is not legal. Eddie drove that assault vehicle through L.A. in the Beverly Hills, then parked and left it running on the front lawn of the house that Limp Bizkit was rehearsing in. He got out wearing no shirt, his hair in a samurai bun on top of his head, his jeans held up with a strand of rope and combat boots held together by duct tape, and he had a gun in his hand. Bennett says he recalls Eddie telling him that whole that asshole answered the door. I put my gun to that stupid fucking red hat of his and said, where's my shit, motherfucker? That fucking guy (laughs) just turned to one of his employees and starts yelling at him to grab my shit. He continues. Eddie Van Halen stood on the front lawn of a residential home in Beverly Hills in broad daylight, smoking a cigarette while holding a gun on Fred Durst as he went back and forth from the house to the assault vehicle, lugging amps and guitars. I mean, that's just... That's, that's rock like, and roll. That's just the best rock and roll story I think I've ever. Yeah, that's just obnoxious. And it's just the fucking giddy up he had on. The samurai bone on top of his head. Jeans held up by a strand of rope. Compact boots held up by duct tape. That's a look right there. That's and just fucking... the fact that the fact that he did it to Fred Durst, who's just one of the worst musicians of that era, if not ever. <laughs> it's just phenomenal. God, I hate Limp Bizkit. Wait, by the way, are you... Band. I mean, it's not really Durst in season, but uh, you, you for Durston right now? You got the, uh, uh, the I I almost wish I had because it's a little oh, okay. a little sweaty, but yeah, I, I didn't wear the red hat tonight, but okay, I got. Uh, yeah. And then the other one of my favorite tweets that whenever I think of Van Halen, I think of now was this comes from Justin Halper and uh, quote at the gym, Van Halen's right now comes on, and after literally two notes in, before any normal human could ascertain what song it was. A mid forties dude in a sleeveless shirt on the bench press says "fuck yeah, Halen" and starts aggressively doing reps. 
It was so <laughs> pure and beautiful. So I just like to picture some fucking old sweaty dude going, fuck yeah, hail it. And then just like pumping, like just lifting fucking 450 pounds. So like Van Halen's right now, which starts that with is... like. Yeah. I think it's so good. That's so good. I, I actually had one more note I wanted to bring up too. Oh, yeah. uh, Ike Richmond, who is the public relations specialist for Live Nation Philadelphia, uh, tweeted out a a Flyers jersey hangs at Eddie Van Halen's studio, a gift we gave him at the Spectrum on April 28th, 1995, and he posted a picture of it. I retweeted that from the Fly Purbly account earlier, but it's a number five Van Halen jersey in the 90s, 80s, uh, home-style Flyers jersey, which is the white one with the uh, orange sleeves. Okay. That's pretty Well, that's stuff. pretty sick. Yeah, that's pretty good shit, too. That um, is good shit. That is, I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of great Van Halen roots with the Flyers, so very appropriate to bring I up. will say, I mean, and the, yeah. just, you want to talk about a great friggin' guitarist, man. Eddie Van Halen. It really it, go listen, go listen to Eruption. It is, it's instrumental. It is just killer all the way through. It's great. That first, the fr- entire first Van Halen album is just so kick-ass. Yeah, and then, um, uh, I'm thinking of, uh, John, or, uh, what was it Panama and uh, Superbad? I think that song like took off in popularity after like that movie came out again. But that was like uh, that and him doing the guitar solo on uh, on uh, Beat It for Michael Jackson. Oh yeah, and Panama's great. What a great song! Yeah, it just go listen to a bunch of Van Halen. It's worth your time. Also, Dirty Movies is a deep cut. I like a lot. So that Van Halen. R.I.P. to uh, Eddie Van Halen. And then also, we are flat purpley, as you can tell by being <laughs> seven hours in this podcast. Uh, Guy Fieri is opening up two restaurants in Philly. So oh get pumped, everybody. We're going to get don- donkey sauce. A lot of people point this out, too. So we uh, might have to go out, figure out who pointed this out to us and everything. But uh, this is via Michael Klein of The Inquirer. Uh, Food Network personality Guy Fieri says he will open two quote-unquote joints, one specializing in tacos, the other in burgers, early next year at the new Philadelphia Live Casino and Hotel coming together at 9th Street and Packer Avenue in Philadelphia City, or South Philadelphia. Uh, When asked, you know, I guess talking about it, Fieri said, I call it a joint because what is a joint? Uh, A joint is a, hey, what are you doing? My buddy's got this joint down the way. Basically, casual, high energy, loud is what the writer added. So the most guy fiery response, I love it. But uh, oh yeah, my God, he's uh, he's coming to Philly, folks. So uh, right near me, right near me. So I'll just oh, yeah. show up and hope he shows so, up. Well, you let me know if he shows up. You give me a call and I'll drive down, and then and, we'll look uh, it up together from a distance. Listener Zach Brodsky uh, sent me a DM. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Just stating that uh, recipe for donkey sauce is in this article. So thank you, Zach, for for pointing that out. I'll have to make some donkey sauce for the next edition of Food Purbly. It's just aioli, folks. It's just aioli, but (laughs) with donkey sauce. Um, Craig, I know we had a few other features, but I was thinking about maybe we give the people a bonus episode for early next week with some of these uh, extra features that we're going to bring in. And I think that'll satisfy having the long podcast here. Give us a little free agency wrap up for the first couple days and then uh, maybe put something out for Monday. All right. I'm going to hold off on what the one. uh, That's specifically what I was thinking of because that's going to take at least 15 minutes. Yeah, we got we do have two other fuck around topics that we'll get into next week. Cause yeah, we, I, I think let's Jesus, do, how is this going on? Like how we're gonna I do 
we're gonna do it. We're gonna record on Sunday for Monday release, free agency wrap up, and we will have these two things that we wanted to bring up that I just don't have time for right now. Yeah, you know what? Also, we're gonna and, tired, just... and we have given you folks the tangy tent you so desire and deserve. Yeah, let's wrap it up. We'll we'll move it. I'll move all this stuff in the round the league shit the next week. So let's just uh, we'll just just too much good shit to discuss and it's all patrick maroon's fault florida man himself (laughs) patrick maroon the big rig yeah i mean good lord uh i'm gonna be working on uh just pretty much draft profile so i'm gonna go back and do like watch all the goals and assist uh all the flyers prospects uh created throughout 2019-20 and then kind of go back and chart shot locations all that shit yada yada i'll do that over the next couple weeks for all the draft picks and uh, or most of the draft picks and uh, that's what i got going on yeah let's, let's let's wrap this up we're done yeah let's wrap yeah, this it's up it's been a long one yeah yeah if you have any feedback for us the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca you can reach craig at sports are bad yeah and i yeah that's what the yeah that's what i was talking what about the draft profiles yeah <laughs> the draft profiles craig knows about young hockey players and then we'll just leave it there yeah young sweaty hey, hockey it's players Craig's yeah, going on. yeah yeah you can reach me at Bomb or at Flyperbole, but if you want hockey opinions, make it Flyperbole. You can follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey, and a couple quick birthday shout-outs to our friends at Broad Street Hockey. Whose birthday is it, Craig? Uh, well, to my, I mean, when they're listening, it's going to be nobody's birthday. But Steph's birthday was <laughs> Thursday, and then also Quigley, uh, Ryan Quigley was on Wednesday. And also my friend Cameron was on Wednesday. Uh, so yeah. there we go. That's uh, what and- we got going on. And it was uh, lovely Emily's birthday on. Monday, oh, that's right. So. Yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah, and you guys yes. had a good weekend together. Yeah, so yeah, and then, did a little, uh, did a little out of season short trip. It was a good time. Yeah, it looked like fun. So the whole thing, it was good time. Sixty five degrees and uh, drinking brewskis on the beach. Can't beat that. Oh, fuck yeah, that sounds sounds ideal. I could probably use that type of weekend. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, the shore's free right now, so just drive down. That's true. Like, it doesn't cost money. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We'll just record a windy podcast from the beach. <laughs> People will hate it. We'll enjoy ourselves. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <this is> fly verbally. <laughs> oh, it sounds. I just want to do it right now. Let's go. <laughs> Folks, that's all we got, and it was quite a bit. We will be back early next week. Two podcasts next week for you, fine folks. Yep. I promise, too. I probably shouldn't have done that, but I just did. Yeah, well, that's so. what you did. Yeah. all right thanks so much for listening and until next time oh wait i have to remind you of course to wear a mask wash your damn hands get out there get your stuff ready to vote big election vote get registered all that good stuff please do it in the words of the great gene hart good night and good hockey wow 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 Hello everybody, this is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell and Craig. But not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah!
Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple spotify youtube and everywhere you get your podcasts go astros our house is a mess come on in i'm amber wallen internet comedian plant queen and host of your new favorite podcast fly on the wall okay that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast by the way like come on amber anyway that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband and co-host benjamin wallen also a comedian and i host people at our home i have a great wine collection in my cellar well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge it's a mini it's fr- a mini yeah. fridge new episodes of fly on the wallen drop every wednesday listen in as we discuss relationships books and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet subscribe to fly on the wallen wherever you get your podcast Yes.